This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. When great athletes have great photographers photographing them, chances are great photos will be made. My guest, Peter Reed Miller, has been doing that for over 40 years. And along the way, he's made some of the most iconic sports images of our time. And yet, he still doesn't believe he's made it yet. I never felt I made it. I mean, I, all I did, it, it's, this is a joke among people who've known me a long time. Every year, I believe they were not going to give me another contract. Every year. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to all our archives. My guests have ranged from Emmy and Oscar winners, college coaches, and professor, author, and photographer, Todd Bigelow. I did this not long ago, and I picked up a new client because I asked when I was out of town to meet with somebody for a couple hours, or just for a little bit, and we ended up meeting for a couple hours over coffee, and I got you know, multiple jobs from him and his other editors at this publication. And, you know, so making those cold calls, those, those editors to this day, I mean, they're different people and so forth, but they still want to find new talent. So it's not something strange to them. They, they, they want to find new talent. Go to justagoodconversation.com for all our archives. Let's take a quick break for a sponsor for diving into my conversation with Peter Reed Miller. I am so fortunate to be sitting in front of a master today. <laughs> Where is he? Is he next to me? He's somewhere? coming. He's coming he's with coming. lunch in about yeah. 15 minutes. Yeah. How are you, Peter? I'm good, Matt. It's great to see you. It's, it's great fantastic to, have you here. to see you doing well. Yeah, yeah. Look yeah, at the holiday great. spirit in your house. This oh, is yeah. fun. Yeah, it is. It is. It's yeah. great. I, I've known you for a very long time. I've known of you even longer, the mystery like we talked about, like uh, photographers never getting their picture taken, never being yeah. the exposure of like how writers would do stuff. Like everybody knows what like Rick Riley looks like or right, to right. Ford, but finding out what a, uh, what a, a Peter Reed Miller looked like in the 70s or 80s was nearly impossible. Well, there, there was one, one page ad they did on their photographers that ran a couple of issues, I think, but it's pretty funny. To, it's funny to go back and Yeah, find and it. look at everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when I first get to lay eyes on you, you were everything I expected. Like, you were, you, were, you know, because I look at you like a, like you're, and we'll talk about it, like you should have been a, a swimmer or a volleyball player because you're tall and you look very athletic and it's like, but you're a man with a camera. You're the complete opposite of what most normal photographers look like. They're not normally tall, athletic-looking guys. As you know, photographers through our lives normally are short and squatty. <laughs> the neo-lifers of the yes, world. The neo yeah. Oh, yes, neo-life, yeah, right? So when you grew up as a kid, were you an athletic kid? Were you an athlete? Not particularly. I was... Uh, so you've been hiding it all these years well. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> No, I uh, I actually uh, rode on the crew team uh, both in in high school because I went to a boarding school back east and and literally my dad did not want me to play football because he he'd hurt his knee playing football in high school so he didn't want me to play you know and this was the kind of school whereas if your dad said he can't do that you didn't do it right so so I started on the crew knowing nothing about it and really got into it and then. Um, I rode for four years at USC, too. I'm so on, where about on the East Coast? Uh, Phillips Exeter in New Hampshire. Okay. So, so it was an interesting two years. It yeah. Was, uh, 
you know, it was all boys at that time. Sure. You know, and uh, we were all little Holden Caulfields, <laughs> little tough guys. And you How, did you take the crew? Did, were you? Yeah, I did. I enjoyed it. And then when I went to USC, well, at USC, there were very few sports that you could actually participate in that you weren't already sort of a professional. You know, I mean, football, all the big sports. But crew was pretty wide open. I mean, we weren't very good. That's certainly we had had a much a losing record, but it was great to just go down there every day. We went down to the harbor at like six in the morning and rode around there, and then we we raced and and raced all up and down the the west coast, and it was it was a lot of fun. Was that a was that scary for you coming from the east coast out to school for? California? Well, no, because I was living. We were my family was already living out here. So okay, I, I okay. had gone back. It was scarier going to the East Coast, <laughs> although originally from Chicago, so I've kind of kind of been everywhere. All right, so you've jumped a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, and you know, coming to USC with a couple of years experience and crew, nobody had that. So I was I was pretty Whoa. well. Yeah, I was pretty good for that sort of thing. What but, was what was your body look like back then? Were you like just long and lean? Because that's what rowers are, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I weighed like one sixty five. Yeah. Which, you know, How tall were you then? Six three. Whoa! You were like zero body fat. You were just like this poster boy. Well, it was, it was, you know, it was a great workout. Yeah. I mean, it was great, and we didn't even we did some shore work, some land work, you know, weights and everything, but that wasn't really as much as it is now. Now those guys work out, you know, every day of the right. year. We would we would have a spring practice uh, that was a couple of months, but no races. Then we'd race fall as a racing season. So, uh, when was the last time you were in a boat? Oh God, I, was, <laughs> I actually I, I was I went back to Philadelphia to, uh, to visit a friend who was rowing at that time at Vesper Boat Club, which is like, yeah. And I I went out one time. And that, you know, it was maybe three or four years after college, and that was like, you know, it's like if you'd been playing college football and you took three or four years out, right. off, and then they put you in a quarterback <laughs> in a real game. It was like everybody was polite, but it was clear that I was not invited back. I was not going to make the, uh, you know, the Olympic team. Or is, it a, is it a rhythm thing you kind of lose, other than maybe like cardio, but is it that kind yeah, of? Yeah, it's a rhythm. It's a feeling. It's a balance because you're in a, I mean, the boat's very narrow. You're really, you're balancing it with your oars. And it's a, it's a strength thing too. Yeah, right. it's a, it's just uh, you know. Is it four or eight man? Boat you well, I I almost always rode in an eight. Okay, but there's eights, there's fours, there's there's Two, skulls, right? twos, and then there's there's single skulls. Oh. So I mean, I've taken a single skull out and I flipped it over, <laughs> <You know? laughs> and they are hard to get back. I bet. Yeah, but I've uh, never been in one. I've only photographed it, and that alone yeah. is terrifying. Yeah, yeah, man. No, it was it was it was fun. It was a great way to be able to compete on a college level, and you know, four year varsity letterman at USC. Hey, so, hey you not know. bad. Yeah, actually, we had a fresh. That was the days of freshman teams. So we. I had was going to say team. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was still so, the three year varsity. Yeah, you, yeah. Lou Alcindor. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me and Kareem, we go way back. Yeah. <laughs> what year were you at SC? I was at SC, I started in 65, I believe, and... Now, what I, drew you to SC? Was it just gruent? <laughs> okay, so two, two years, now this is back when it went K through six, 
junior high school, which is now middle school, right. was seven through twelve, and then high school started. So it was basically four years. So so, but I I had I had two years of uh, well, no, actually high school was four was four years. So I had two years at Exeter. I left there. I came back. I went to Pasadena High School. What a cultural shift okay, that was! Yeah. Girls, cars, yeah. <laughs> you know, the Beach Boys, everything. So I, I know was, you. That must have been unbelievable. Oh, it was great. It was dying and going to heaven. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I was a junior at PHS, but I was really ahead of you know. I Every, mean, this Exeter was hardcore classes of twelve people around the round table. You know, the whole thing. They educated you there. Right. So. Uh, my concert, I take all senior classes, and my concert says, well, what do you want to do next year? You want to go to Pasadena City College? And I went, eh, not particularly. He said, well, USC has an early admissions program, and they're trying to, at that time, USC wasn't quite as academically right, powerful right. as this. So they were kind of beefing up. They were looking for smart kids to bring in. Mm -hmm. So I actually started USC when I was 16. Okay. And I don't recommend that for anybody. No, no. that must have been. I mean, real. intellectually, I was fine. Socially, I sucked. Right. And You're there with women now. Yeah, yeah. You went yeah, from right. school with girls to. Oh, yeah, school with boys, really. Right. And one year, girls at Pasadena High, and then women, yeah. You had no game. Yeah, you had no yeah. idea no, what was going on. No, no. And you must have looked such like a little kid. I, well, I was big at least. I mean, well, I, you know, I, I had that going for me, so I kind of didn't look that out of place. Okay. But it was just I w was out of place, you know, uh, mentally and emotionally. So, uh, you know, I, I made it through, and, and I, I kind of went I, – so I, I did a master's in public administration, which I never did my thesis on, and then I, <laughs> I, I moved – I went to, uh, to Penn for a year, to Wharton, and then I was just like – done with school i was burned out you know right so i moved back here in uh i guess 1970 i moved to, to venice so when you're at sc is there any thought of photography oh yeah i got into photography when i was at, at phillips exeter okay uh because your grandmother was yeah the one that, well i there that were, poor woman <laughs> there were a couple of guys i knew who were and you know thing about exeter i was a scholarship boy but most people had a lot of money Okay. You know, there was Kennedy there, there was an Eisenhower there, there was a lot of, a lot of money. So these guys had good cameras. They had Nikon Fs, and wow. you know, and uh, I just thought it would be cool. There was a yearbook and a and a school paper, and they had dark rooms and all that. So I it was I guess um, I guess it was the summer, and my grandmother. Uh, this is in Chicago, and we go to. Marshall Fields, which was the store in Chicago back there before Macy's bought it. Right. It had it had places you could restaurants and everything like that. So we went to lunch. It was a very common thing. She she lived on the east side. I I lived up in North and Evanston. So we'd meet downtown, have lunch, and I don't. I just decided that I, you know they did have a camera counter because they had everything in there, and we went down to look at cameras somehow or other, and somehow or other, I talked her into buying me one. So. You know, you and just kept begging her. Yeah. <laughs> she broke down. I, I, it's not a, not not my proudest moment. <laughs> not my proudest moment at all. But is that your mother's father? My my, my maternal my okay. maternal grandmother Josephine okay. Culleton. All right. Yes, bless her heart. And bless her heart. The yeah. Woman helped to the world with great imagery. Yeah. yeah. Starting point. So, did you take to it well then? Yeah, I did. I, I started as soon as I, I think this was, must have been the my first summer out of Exeter. So when I went back, I started shooting immediately for the paper and for the yearbook. And uh, 
you know, I my first camera was a Kodak Motormatic 35F. It had a it had a motor drive. Right. It had a wind up motor drive. It was great. And how many uh, frames a second? About three, maybe. Okay, that, but that yeah, yeah. I mean, we're shaking our heads. Pretty chunk, good. Maybe two, maybe two. Okay, but, still, but still, yeah. Um, That's legit. You're now like almost like real. Yeah. When you get yeah. a motor drive on a camera back yeah. then, it says yeah. something about you. Yeah, that was that was something, and and uh, and then I I you know as time went on I. I wanted an interchangeable lens camera so <laughs> so I got a Canon rangefinder camera a Canon 5T uh, they were kind of like the slightly the poor man's like not okay. that they were that much cheaper but they were but this had um, a winder a bottom handle winder like the like of it for for mm-hmm. like so again I could chunk that thing along at about two frames a second so so I started really seriously started shooting with that Um Shot, you know, shot football in high school. Now, were there any classes, or is it just kind of no. like, here, Peter, here's some yeah. film. Yeah. Come on back. It. That was it. That, I learned I learned from my peers, okay. which I've done, I would say, my entire career. I've never never taken a photography class. Um, I've learned most everything I know from my peers, a lot of it from people who've helped me out, a lot of it from people who've assisted me, you know. Uh, and, and so uh, that's kind of the way it was. And right. I just started... And, Kind of figured it out. And how how was like your early style? Were you timid walking up to your subjects and kind of working a scene? Yeah, yeah I was a little timid. When did that timid. start to go away? I don't think ever really. Went away. <laughs> Last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. Just over time, you know, you you start to get to the to the point where where you're you know you're shooting in a studio or you're or you're coming to their house, but you've got a couple of people with you and you've got this whole thing and it. It sort of takes on a life of its own, and you're just sort of you're the the focal point. But it's the whole, the whole system around you kind of gives you a little bit of, of you know credibility. Right. So, so you bring the camera with you to SC and you shoot there as well. Yes, I think at that point I had moved on to uh, a Pentax. Everybody's first SLR, the Pentax, the K1000 and, or whatever. Yeah, something like that, or even be, before that, but. But uh, uh, that, and then I, I picked up somewhere, I found, or maybe I was renting it, but a, a 450 millimeter F8 Soligar. My. It was my first telephoto, but oh, I loved it. I loved it. Now, back at that time, walking around campus with a camera was kind of like having a slide roll in your belt. It was not cool. No. It was not cool. So, uh, you know, I and I would use. And why do you think that was? I mean, I understand. What do you, what do you, I, I don't know. It just wasn't it wasn't that popular at that at that point. Because um, dads took photos. Yeah, yeah. You know, wives, mothers never really. So you're like right. this geeky old man if you got a camera. Right, right. There weren't a lot of cool models, role models as cool photographers. Right. So, um, so my theory, my personal theory is there was one point of change, and that was the movie Blow Up. I don't know if you ever saw it. Yes. But he was the coolest guy driving a Rolls-Royce convertible around London, naked women rolling themselves up in his background paper and the whole deal. And I think, I think in my mind, that's what made photography cool. Because that's early 60s, right? Yeah. Mid-60s. Yeah, yeah. For, is it foreign? Uh, it was British, I think. Yeah, okay. But it was, it was in English. It was Yeah, it was in English. English. He yeah, had an accent. Yeah, okay. but it had British actors. Yep. Verushka, the model, was right. in it and all sorts of stuff. And there was some vestige of a plot 
Uh, but it was really just more showing off how cool it could be to be a photographer. Because I'm thinking before that, what, rear window? Yeah, pretty much. Right? Like, the photographers didn't get mainstay. No, no. So Jimmy's in a wheelchair the yeah, whole time. Yeah, he's in a wheelchair. Even though he's got, got his of, back window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got the most beautiful woman in the right, world, but right. still, he looks like a geek in pajamas most exactly, of the time. Exactly. So it takes a hot, naked models rolling yeah, around the paper yeah. for you to get credibility. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I kind of think, but... Uh, well, you know what? That's actually a pretty good, you know, I guess, starting point for where photographers might have just been more understood. Yeah, yeah, or at least perceived as a little bit cooler. Right, a little cooler. Uh, yeah. So, did you take any rowing photos? I took some. I, I have always found rowing to be a really difficult sport to shoot. I mean, those boats are 66 feet long, and they're a foot and a half wide, and they got these oars sticking out. It's like, I mean, I did one uh, one ad, I did uh, an aerial. I did a helicopter shot, and that was the most satisfying shot. Whenever you were on the, on the ground level, you were either cutting off the oars or everything is so small that it was never something I really enjoyed photographing. Yeah, that, that boat is not much out of the water. No, no, it's, no. It's no, really it's water about this, Yeah, about six inches. Right. Of, uh, but, I mean, you were one of them. Those guys have unbelievable bodies. They've... To photograph, they're fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I did a photo shoot of the guys down at OCC at their boathouse. Yeah, that's right. I've I've shot down there. And all these guys walk up, and I'm only 5'7", so everybody feels tall to me, but these guys were athletes. And and they've gotten a lot bigger and a lot stronger over the years, so that your average guy is like 6'6 now, you know, and, and, but the whole, the whole scene, I mean, there are a lot of, aside from the boats in the water, just the carrying the boat down to the dock, putting it in, even the boathouses. I mean, even, even SC's boathouse, which was not the, not the fanciest, but, you know, you've got all these wooden boats and you've got nice light. I mean, the, the boathouse at Phillips Exeter was amazing, you know. But, you, you know, there are a lot of things you could photograph there that besides just the boats in the water right. that made it kind of interesting visually. We're going to jump ahead only because I just thought of this right now. Was there any time during your freelancing life did you ever think like i should look into shooting crew boats or paddles or anything for crew was that even an even something even came up not really now i did that one ad i did i think it was an insurance company ad and we went up to uh, lake kachuma okay got the ucsb crew and in the boat and yeah and they're in the boat and i'm in the chopper and we just kind of go kinda, into the light yeah yeah <laughs> roll to the light no, I don't even think we must have had a radio or some way to communicate. But uh, I just remember the one thing I remember is that uh, I was leaning out, shooting down, and then I looked and I saw that uh, my seatbelt wasn't fastened anymore. So, <laughs> oh, and now there's a, there's a tip from John Zimmerman. John Zimmerman always said, first he said, if you're in a helicopter and it's going down, get rid of your cameras because they're going to fly up and hit you in the face. Okay. And the second thing he said, so the other thing is that take a little piece of gaffer's tape and tape it across the buckle of your your seatbelt because it's very easy when you're moving around with the cameras to just knock that loose, which is what I'd done. Right. So those are those are two tips from one of the greatest sports photographers who ever lived, John oh, yeah. Zimmerman. How high above the water were you? I I don't know. I mean, enough to, to fit a... a, a an eight in with maybe a, a 70 to 200. We were probably a thousand feet. 
Oh, it would have hurt. It I was going to say, what, you know, these guys look back and they see the, yeah. the <laughs> photographer from 50 feet in the air fall. Yeah. One thing, a thousand. Ah, never mind. That's no, no, we were not zooming in low, but, uh, <laughs> oh, man. So your time at SC ends, what's your career? What do you think? Good question. I I'm thinking, well, I, I, as I said, I, I applied, um, I started had this master's. I was basically, you know, avoiding military service right. at that time. Didn't want to go to Vietnam. So I stayed in, and being young when I started, I could stay in school another year before I was even draft eligible. Yeah, right. So I stayed, I did, worked on this master's, and then, not knowing any better, I applied to other graduate schools. I applied applied to the London School of Economics because Mick Jagger went there. Oh, so it's got to be not? good. I didn't get in there. <laughs> uh, it's funny because I, 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 I did get accepted. I got accepted at Penn, at Wharton, and at the University of British Columbia, and I just think, Wow, there was a turning point in my life. If I'd gone to UBC instead of Philly, who knows where I'd be now. But uh, I went to Philly, didn't like it at all. Uh, what didn't you like? I it just it, it, I like Philadelphia as a city now, but I didn't when I first. Okay. It was just it's just a hardcore eastern city. Your kid city. perspective too. You're yeah, young, yeah. so everything's going to be yeah, different now. Yeah. yeah. And and the classwork it was it was public administration. I went there honestly because they offered me a stipend. Okay, they offered me free tuition and some money. I thought this is a good deal, but it wasn't. So I I bailed uh, and moved back here. Now all this time, uh, my parents were seeing me as a a lawyer or a, an academic or something like that, and I wasn't sure what I was. So I, I, I moved back, and I lived moved in with my girlfriend in Venice. Now, are you an only child, or you got siblings? Uh, I have one sister who's six years younger. Okay, so they're looking at you as the, the boy, the golden yeah. boy of our family, yeah, carrying the name and standard mantle. Standard bearer. Yes, yeah, yes. Go, Peter, go. Yeah, and it was still, it's <laughs> like, I mean, nobody. So, so I moved to Venice, and I just started shooting. Well, I go back to shooting for USC, because... Still, there were not a lot of people. I, I, I had been shooting for the athletic department, so I okay. go back, and I'm still working for them, uh, doing now, sports. You, when you were shooting for the athletic department, was it just football, basketball? It was kind of mostly baseball, because okay. they had a real good baseball okay. team back then. Um, yeah, they were winning yeah, a lot back yeah. then. So, so and, and uh, then I was picking up other work around USC. I was doing little brochures for different departments and things like that. So your and, name was spreading Yeah, a little, little bit. A little bit. Okay. Um, and basically, I kind of did. I did a lot of a lot of theater work. I did a lot of plays because actors actors always want to buy pictures. Right. They don't always want to pay you, but they <laughs> want to buy the pictures. So I'm kind of doing this, but I'm I mean I'm shooting the football a lot. I am trying. This is like uh, oh you know seventy two maybe seventy one seventy two. I am trying like hell to get into an NFL game. And I'm calling. I think it was Jerry Wilcox was the Rams guy, and uh, Rick Smith was the Charger guy, and I'm calling them, and I'm writing them, and they're like, they don't care. They don't know. Right. So Now, uh, how, how, like, it, if we grade Peter Reed Miller in 1970, how was your work? Not the football to, work was pretty good. Was it? Pretty damn good, yeah, yeah. What was standing out? What was making you good in, the, in 1970? I don't know. I think I just had a good handle on action. I had a good handle on football. And a lot of my shooting was in the Coliseum back when there was really a lot of incredible light there. Okay. You know, um, 
So I just, I, I had stuff that, that not a lot of people had. Did you work the sidelines? Yeah, worked the sidelines okay. mainly. I, I think, well, I think I started out with a, a 200 F4, and then, oh, my big move was a 1828, that 1828 Nikar, which was a sweet lens. Right, Very that's sweet lens. a lot of guys have said that was yeah. the gold standard for them to get yeah. them those images. Yeah. yeah, and that was really, other than renting, and, uh, you know, uh, gear, I didn't really have a, a long lens until I got a, I think I got a, a Pentax 500 Takamar and had it cut for a Nikon, had it adapted for a Nikon. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so I'm, I'm doing this at SC and I'm also, I'm, my stuff is in, is like the game program. So I go as a, a fan to a Rams game okay. with some friends. We buy the program. It's, it's called Pro Magazine. I open the program. I look at the masthead. I see a. I see it's published in Los Angeles. NFL Creative Services used to have an office in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. and I look at the masthead and I see a name on the top, John Weebush. And that Monday morning, I pick up the phone and I dial the number and I I call. And the amazing thing is, John Weebush answered his phone. No secretary, no answering machine, no nothing. He answered his phone, and I said, "Hi, I'm Peter Miller." You know, I'd really like to. He said, "You know, my wife's been taking a masters at USC. We go to the games. I've seen your work in the program. Sure, you can work for us." And there just, it was, just, as they say, just like that. Just like so, that. God forbid if John's a UCLA fan. Yeah. Right, and he's buying that oh, program. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't know who you are when you make that call. But people, you know, people ask me about a career path. Did you work at a newspaper? Right. Right. Did you assist? Never. Neither. None, nor. I just uh, made one phone call, got the right guy. And so I started, you know, I started shooting for them. And then I also did a lot of er, uh, uh, work for ABC because they were back then wide world of sports. Mm -hmm. But then I got what was really keeping me going was doing the uh, shows, doing sitcoms. I used to do uh, Three's Company. Benson. Do the still so, productions? Yeah, yeah. So how did that come about? Who did you call and make that uh, you know, introduction? Mm -hmm. I think there was another photographer had a gig on a on a ABC like miniseries or something, and he needed a second shooter. Okay. And I came in and I met the people, and they said, "Yeah, you can do this too." And so the sitcoms were great. They they would they would film them, they would shoot them. They were three camera shows, mm -hmm. video cameras, and they would shoot them twice, like at five o'clock and at eight o'clock. And they'd call five the dress rehearsal, but they'd they'd have stuff to cut. So, so you'd go in at at five, you'd shoot it. You had blimps. Your cameras were in soundproof housings. Right. And you had to dodge. You had to stay out of everybody's way. You'd shoot at five. You'd go to the commissary. You'd have some dinner. Go back. You'd shoot at eight. You were done, like, at nine. And you'd go drop the film off at the lab for ABC, and that was that. And I, you'd do a couple of those a week, and you're making a living. Right. You're plus, paying rent. Plus something. Yeah, you're paying rent. but Plus something on the weekend, and, and that was... But really, those shows enabled me to go kind of full-time. Right. Which, what other shows? Three's Company, what Three's else? Three's Company, Benson, uh, what was Welcome Back, okay. Welcome Back, Cotter, uh, Soap, which is kind of a little-known but right. much-heralded show. Uh, right, but Billy Crystal, right? Yeah, yeah, played yeah. The, played an openly gay character right, on right, that, right? Right, right, right. First time ever. Yeah. There were a lot of people who started. I see people, oh, yeah, they were on soap, you know, Bob Mandon. And, and, yeah. and you know who was actually on it to begin with was Bob Seeger the pole vaulter. He was he was on as, I think, maybe Billy Crystal's 
Love interest, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh wow, yeah. So it was, but but it was kind of you know, and I got to know all these people. Soap, I went all the way through. I went to the, the you know from the very first episode to the rap party. I did pretty much every show, and and so you got to know everybody, and and it was very, you know, it was very relaxed. It was did not that, stressful. Did that blossom off into anything else? Either doing work for them or I did some portrait shoots for ABC. But at that point, they were really taking things in-house and okay. hiring staff people. I didn't want to do that. Plus, Well, why not? Because by that time, I was working for Sports Illustrated. Okay. So, so this is later into the 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was there any thought, though, in those early times with ABC? Like, oh, this could be a gig of a lifetime? No. It was, it, 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 it was fine at the time, but it was okay. not where I wanted to go. Okay. So you had an idea, though. Of projectory, where you want it to go. Yeah, Sports Illustrated. Because a lot of times, you get fed, and you'll lose that that bullseye. Yeah. You'll be like, I'll stay here. I can do this 9 to yeah. 5. This check comes in. Right. I, I'm out of the rain. I don't have to wear sunscreen. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so yeah. you add a bullseye yeah, on SI. Pretty much, yeah. So those things cover you, what, and, and now you're shooting some NFL games. How mm-hmm. is that? next level it was great you know i mean it was uh because we had the rams in town we had the rams we had the chargers i shot them both i shot uh johnny uninus played his last season with the chargers Mm -hmm. i shot him shot john hadel at the rams and uh it was you know it was what i'd what i'd wanted to do and then they would even nfl started traveling me a little bit not a lot but like denver you okay. know, you do Denver. There was no, there were no Seahawks then, so there's right. no Seattle. But the Bay Area, that was my first, because they published, this pro magazine was the game program for all the teams. And then the teams would throw in an insert with the okay. lineups and stuff like that. So basically, everything was fair game. And I remember going up to San Francisco to shoot uh, the Niners Vikings. Okay. Chuck Foreman was a rookie, mm-hmm. and that was what they wanted, and that was uh, my first pro magazine cover which was like a big thrill wow so how was your understanding of like composition light clean backgrounds like where is that coming to you is that you you've gotten that through your times at sc and you're just carrying it over and you're getting better yeah pretty much i mean i i don't think i mean there i was not getting any any feedback to speak of getting a little feedback from the sc from the sports information department about what was what they wanted, um, and really no feedback from ABC. Just don't mess it up. Right? You know? um, they really. I mean, well, that was a well lit studio. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, you're yeah. F eight or whatever. No, you're no, you were still. You know what I'm saying, but you're, it's, you're w- pretty much wide open. But you know, you're shooting. You'd have one black and white camera, one color camera. Okay. Uh, uh, high speed ex- ectochrome, the tungsten film. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And then triax. So you know, but. Uh, uh, no, I was just kind of doing it, you know, and, and even... So it was that natural for you? I guess, you know, I, I mean, I, that's, I certainly... That's that's brilliant. That's fantastic. I mean, I look back and I see some stuff I did that I think was really great, and I see some other stuff that well, really wasn't. But, right. But uh, Now, maybe I'm wrong. I believe, I when I look at your early work, it looks very uh, photojournalism-driven. Like, there's images that you took in those early days that are the ones that strike my, just light me up and get me all fired up. I think it was. I think that was really my, sort of my goal was, was photojournalism, but, you know, still, 
I mean, and Sports Illustrated at that time was a lot more journalistic than it became. Mm-hmm. It became much more, much more stylized. But, uh, but yeah, I was, I was, you know, into covering things, covering stories, whatever they were. And, uh, you know, I did, I, I'm trying to think, I did a little bit of news. I did some news for uh, Sigma, the French agency. Um, not a lot. I mean, I never, I never worked for the Times, although I have a, a story about that. But, but, uh, uh, but so I'm, I'm shooting, you know, basically I'm just getting to know the Sports Illustrated people by being at games. And who and, are you meeting? Uh, I'm meeting, I'm meeting Walter. I'm meeting uh, Johnny Iacono. I'm meeting Heinz, okay. who was a big, big influence. Um, I remember the very first game I shot, the first NFL game I shot for them was Heinz. And boy, this guy, Marvin Newman. Okay. And boy, they treated me like shit. I had to go. I had to go up to. I they had the credentials. I had to go. With, everybody at the time at SI stayed at the Beverly Hills Hotel. So I had to go up to the Beverly Hills Hotel and go down and get. And they gave me the backlit side, of course, because <laughs> you only got one side then. And uh, so you know, it was just uh, I was just starting out there. And uh, ironically, another photographer in this area was starting out at about the same time was Richard Maxson. And we were arch enemies. It's pretty funny because we're, right. we're we're pretty close now. But um, and actually, the actual contract for the SI the, was with George Long. Mm-hmm. It was Long. It was Sheedy and Long back right. then. And um, I don't know how it all went down, but there was some, uh, you know, stuff happened. Politics happened. They didn't want George anymore, and they just decided that they'd hire these two young guys, give us contracts, Richard and I. And so there we were, you know. Battling well, out for yeah, space oh, and God. time. I was talking to somebody the other night about this. When we would cover a baseball game, somebody would get first, somebody would get third. Mm-hmm. We would put remotes in the other person's uh, <laughs> well. So I'd be, I'd be there shooting. I'd be Richard's remote next to me. <laughs> I'd have one over there next to him. So that was, that was how bad it was at the time. But, but, but that is... Good to have that competitive. Oh yeah, juice, it was great. Right? It was great. It was great. It drives you to stay yeah. focused. And then, and then it got even more intense when Andy Haight came along. Right. Who was a tremendous natural photographer, tremendous, and they threw him into the mix. And now we all—I mean, Richard and I both had to work a lot harder. How was how was seeing Andy at that time? How talented was he? He was pretty damn talented. I remember the very first picture of his I saw was actually. In, in the LA Times, who I guess he'd freelance for, mm-hmm. and he shot it was some, I don't know, some kind of car picture, but he used the 500 F5 mirror, which nobody really actually used at that point. And it was like, wow, who did that? And I look, and I see Andy Haight, you know. And then he showed up, and he had the other, the other big lens at that time was the uh, 3028 Top Core. That was the only 3028 made. And, of course, so you had to get a cut for a Nikon, and then it focused backwards. Right. So, you know, that was that was that mind over goofy, matter. yeah. But, but uh, Andy showed up at a Dodger game with one, and it was like, I thought the only people on the planet who owned those things were SI guys. Right. So Andy was serious. He was committed. Wow. Um, and very talented, you know. Right. And, uh, so the three of us were kind of battling know, for space <laughs> in that pit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, no, it, it all worked out and we all ended up friends. And so, right. yeah. You know. So how, how was those first couple of years for you 
shooting for SI. Nerve-wracking. Right. Scary. Terrifying, know? right? Yeah. This isn't SC's, you know, sports information yeah. department where you make some black and white prints and right. they make the program yeah. next. Yeah. yeah. So no. what was your first assignment for SI? Uh, I think, I'm trying to remember this. Or how do you, oh, let's do this. How do you even make that contact? Oh, this is another story. Uh, so I've, I think I've met a number of people there. And at the time, uh, the assistant managing editor, or maybe it was the assistant director of photography, it was a man named Frank Agolia. Mm -hmm. So one summer, this had to be maybe 74, 75, and shooting for NFL. And actually, they gave me some features. Also, I started doing feature stories for NFL, which was the first real features. And I remember I did, I did Bobby Lane. I, w I went to Lubbock, Texas, and hung out with Bobby Lane, the old... Redskins quarterback, right. and we went to the Glass Hat Barbecue, which if you read the, the Plimpton books, he's in there and everything. So, But I made this journey across country, uh, and I did a couple of stories on the way for NFL, which kind of helped pay for it, and I drove. And I ended up staying with, with a friend in Philadelphia, and I drove down to New York, and I went to see Mr. Agoli. I made an appointment. I went up to see him, and I showed him my book, and... Uh, he was, he, you know, he seemed impressed, and he said, well, you know, it's, we've got stuff coming up. We'll, we'll try and get you some assignments and everything. So uh, so this is, I had not shot for the magazine. This right, point. right. You're just, just trying to get your face. Yeah, so I go, I go home. I drive back home a couple of weeks later, maybe a month later. I thought, well, I better follow up, so I, I call. <laughs> I know, being that it's been a couple of weeks, he might have called you two days later, yeah. and you're not home yet. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> so I, I call the magazine. I ask for uh, Frank Golia, and... and there's kind of a pause, and then I, I get transferred, and then I get this woman. She said, did you know Mr. Agolia well? This, he had died of a heart attack like a week after he saw me. Told, I mean, he was not an older man. I mean, he was probably in his 40s. Right. And what they used to do, they would actually fly the transparencies to Chicago, where the magazine was printed at that time. And so – and, and – Mr. Golia, Frank, literally died on the on the printing press. He died in Chicago. He'd flown the transparency. So, oh. so there I was, you know. Oh man, he must have so really was, loved your book. It was back, yeah, really. <laughs> it was mine. So I was kind of back to to square one. But I, you know, I kind of reached out to other people and, and sort of eventually. You could I, have pulled the card. Well, he he offered me twelve jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah really. I I want those jobs, but. Um, I think the very first thing I shot was um, an offshore powerboat race. Oh, yeah, and this is great, but but they wouldn't let us go offshore. So basically, and it was out in Newport. It was out in Newport Harbor. So basically, you kind of put it out on the, this press boat, and uh, you photographed the start. Boom! They went by. Uh, probably an hour later. They came through, boom, they came through. And probably another hour later, they came through and finished. And, and the guy, um, Rocky Aoki, who owned the Benihana steak chain, won the race. And I have a picture of him on his boat going like this. And, and that was it. <laughs> it was kind of like, well, is this really it? But, uh, but yeah, that was my first, uh, my first job for a side. Wow. A boat race at 100 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. That you, <laughs> they that really you, made it easy for you. Yeah, yeah. But that you couldn't really go out and follow. I mean, it wasn't like we were battling <laughs> yeah. the high seas or anything, you know. It's, oh, my it's, goodness. Uh, we were sitting in the harbor. But, so, uh, I mean, I, how nerve-wracking, though? Still very nerve-wracking. 
very nerve-wracking. Regardless, it's not... I mean, and this was hard. I mean, if you'd actually been out there, you would have had a lot of opportunities. I probably wouldn't have been puking my guts out, but I had a lot of opportunities to shoot. This was like one and done. I mean, right. he came through there, he waved his arms, and that was the picture. Yeah, you know, well, a couple of stories. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, so... Um, so it progresses from there. They yeah. obviously were satisfied. You didn't blow mm-hmm. it, overexpose yeah. everything. <laughs> no, I didn't blow it. I didn't blow it. That was the main thing in those early days. Is just don't blow it, you right. know. And uh, I think in 1976, John Dominus was director of photography, and he offered Richard and I uh, contracts that year. And it was still. I mean, I I got. Did he call you? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He was really nice, very nice, gracious. Do you man. remember that conversation where you silent on your end and he's doing all the talking? Pretty much. Pretty your much. heart's pounding and you're yeah. like, I can't believe he's still. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. No, I... Uh, Did you feel you made it? I never felt I made it. I mean, I, all I did, it's, this is a joke among people who've known me a long time. Every year, I believe they were not going to give me another contract. Every year, I thought they're not. This is it. They're not going to give me another one, you know. And this this went on until finally I went on staff, and then it was like, you know, I was at least a lot more comfortable. Then. Where Where are mom and dad sitting at this point? Because oh, you're okay. Not, you're not a doctor or a lawyer. You're they, they don't. My dad. My my mom is kind of. She's pretty accepting. My dad did not believe. Okay. Back in that time, Sports Illustrated did not run photo credits with the pictures. They ran them in the back of the magazine. With the, in, with in the page little, number, right? Yeah, in a little box. So, you know, my dad, I could say, yeah, I had a picture of Sports Illustrated. He'd look at the picture, he'd say, well, I don't see your name, you know. I said, finally, it got to him that it was in the little box. I mean, he was not stupid, but he just right. he just didn't think. So. I said, no, it's in the back. It says it's because back. it's not natural. It's not yeah. with the photo. Yeah, I don't know why they started. I don't know why they did. But uh, I think that was kind of standard. Maybe so. Maybe so. But it was it was a while. And at that point, I think there was still some thought. I mean, I'm I'm now I'm pushing into my 30s. But there was still some thought that, oh, I could still go to law school or still, you know, but I woke up. Oh, Peter's just playing. He'll come around. (laughs) It's like I'm on contract with Sports Illustrated. I'm traveling all over the country. I'm not going to law school. Yeah. You know, I'm this is what I do. Yeah, not a chance, mom and dad. Yeah. I'm a photographer. They were fine. They were fine. Once they got, they got to the seeing the fact that I was making money and that I was getting recognition and and all that, they were, they were fine. There was never really a horrible rejection or anything like that. (laughs) The artist. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God forbid. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think they were just happy that I was doing something that that I was happy doing and that I was making a living. And yeah, you weren't, uh. You know, coming coming around going, I got 10 bucks. Can I live in the basement? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, your first, and this is a Super Bowl that's like people forget, is that Denver Cowboys Super Bowl in 78. That's your first Super Bowl you cover with SI. Yes, yes. And and. And I and people, I can hold a gun to people's heads. But they I, couldn't name that quarterback. For I was uh uh da 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 wasn't Craig. For, uh, was Craig Morton. Craig right. Morton. I had already committed to NFL, and I was sitting in, I believe it's, it's all long gone, the Hamlet Garden in Westwood because their offices were right at the corner of Wilshire and Westwood. Okay, with John Weebush, my patron saint there, and <laughs> the other gentleman who really guided me. Dave Boss, who was a marvelously talented guy in so many ways. I'm sitting having lunch with them, 
and my pager, remember pagers? Whoa. My pager goes off. And I said, oh, I better go take this. <laughs> and it's Sports Illustrated telling me that they want me to do that Super Bowl. So I'm going to bind. I'm going to pickle. But and that game's in Detroit, right? No, no. That was, was in New Orleans. New Orleans. Because yeah, it was it, horrible. It was like, the, it, well, it was in the first game in the Super in the That's Superdome. okay. I knew it was somewhere first, and it was god awful. And, and we had tried. I wasn't part of this, but th- they had tried earlier in the year to uh, – put strobes in for like the first 20 yards for a two-lane game. And and the only thing notable is, A, it didn't work very well. B, Heinz Klutmeyer got taken to jail. <laughs> or one of his many is, what is this saying? 23 arrests, no convictions. Yes, That's yeah. Heinz's motto. But, yeah, he got taken to jail at halftime for arguing with a cop or something like that. But they gave up on, on the strobing. And, oh, yeah, it was awful. I don't know what we, you know, I think it was 300 two eights, and it was just push the film, but it was. I mean, it looked dark on TV. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and it was dark. I looked at the old stuff from there. There's very little that was usable. I think the one remarkable thing about that game was there were seven fumbles, and we had to dig. They had to dig through everybody's stuff to find a picture. I had a couple of the fumbles, other people, and that's that was, I think, the only picture I got in from that was the fumble. Right. But, it uh, was just a god-awful Super Bowl. Yeah. You kind of wonder how Denver got there. It was, was Roger, was it Danny White or was it Roger Starbucks last year? That. It might have been Danny White. I think it was Danny White. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. kind of always forgotten. He was a great quarterback in his own right. He was a running quarterback yeah. too. Yeah. People forget that. He was a dual threat kind yeah. of runner. Yeah. But he was following Roger who was like yeah, you Mr. Perfect. You, you know, you can't win in that situation. He was a good guy though. I, I shot, I think I did a cover of, of him uh, up at, uh, uh, Cal Lutheran when they used to train up there. Right. I did a did a just you know set up after you know after practice kind of thing. Just right. some low. Didn't even light it. Just had good good low sun. Yeah, your like your seventies work like I referred to like so I wrote them down because I the, the Steelers photo of Dwight uh, White when you know getting that hug and he's missing the tooth. It's uh-huh. black and white. You put yourself in a spot where it looks like you're going to be the next one hugged. Like you're just well. Right those were there. the days when you could do that. I mean, those were the days when you could kind of wander onto the bench. I mean that that game because that was a, an AFC championship game against the, Oakland. The Raiders lost. I walked into the Raiders locker room. Right, and yeah. and you're yeah, shooting pictures. George Atkins. Like, yeah, and you're you look like you're next. Buck naked. Yeah, you, you look know. like you're next to him, sitting down, crying as I well. Kind of next to him, but you know, it lasted about oh, two minutes maybe, and it, people started going. But there was no TV. I mean, there was TV, but they didn't go busting in everywhere like they right. know, like they have ever since. But yeah, that was. I mean, because that was a lot of that work was for a book called The Game of Passion that the NFL did. It was all black and white. Mm-hmm. It was myself and four or five other photographers. And the whole thing about that book was don't shoot the action. Shoot the sideline. Shoot whatever else is going on for a whole season. And that was a great education. Was that fun? Oh, yeah, it was. It was a great it, education. Yeah. What did you learn? I just learned not to, you know, not to be so focused on the field, which I was. You know, before that, I was like, you know, I was the young guy with the 600-millimeter lens, and I was going to get all the action and the heck with the rest. And I learned that there was a lot more. You know, unfortunately, as time's gone by, there's less. More more has turned into less because right. you have so little you can't shoot from behind the bench. The benches are now huge. Jesus, I think they're, they're massive. They're, yeah. I mean, it's 25 like, to 25. Yeah, yeah. It, it takes me like two plays to get around now. <laughs> 
No more running down the Coliseum track. Yeah. And everybody says, look out, here comes the horse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get yeah. stampeded by a yeah. horse. I mean, that, but that's what I'm saying. That, that was such a photographic, photojournalism look that you were creating back mm-hmm. then in that, those early years in your style. Yeah. I yeah. really loved it. There was a photo of Jack Dempsey of the Raiders, or Rams you shot at the Coliseum when they were there. Mm-hmm. And you're low and he's practicing. And if people don't know, Jack Dempsey had one foot. Yeah. 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 It was a club foot. Yeah kicker and you shot this and it's practice but you're low and there's the holder and the rams have those beautiful colors and of course well yeah every and that's the thing everybody pre-game you could go out on the field you know if you were careful i mean now it's all what color vest you have and there's some people who can and those of the rest of us can't and so it's, uh, and it's some dress up as uh, uh team officials and so they're in their like team colors yeah and, yeah, yeah it's such yeah. a show now yeah, yeah. i just kind of it's like there's so much stuff that these guys are doing now that they're, you know, and, 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 and to give them credit, it's really good work, but I, I do look at it and I say, wow, I did that about 30 years ago. Right. You know, and, and so I don't get, I, I mean, there's a lot of things I probably could do that I don't push to do anymore because I feel like I have done it and I don't really want to do it again, you know? I think a lot of it is too, because I used to get those, you know, Sports Illustrated used to put out the magazine. Or they're not the magazine, the, the actual book, the NFL and review, mm-hmm. the book, and NFL had one. I'd get all those as the kids at the library. So I would mm-hmm. study through it and like just make all these notes. And they don't do that as much as anymore. So it's now social media where you see the yeah. work. Yeah. So when you were doing that work in the 70s, if you didn't get a book or the program, it ne- no one ever saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Peter's work didn't exist to someone exactly. in Miami because they yeah. didn't get that program. Yeah. When you were making that stuff, did you realize how fortunate you were or it was just so second nature to be able to shoot on the sideline be next to the bench get into the locker room it was kind of like this is what i do this is the way it should be you know made your life easy yeah 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 i mean i certainly as it gradually eroded it started to you know it's kind of like oh okay we can't do that anymore when when did you first notice things starting to peel away the no Mm -hmm. no no i think Probably around, maybe around 2000. Oh, okay. So not the 80s or 90s, no, but later. No, I, I think I was still pretty, because, see, I was still, you know, I was Sports Illustrated. Mm-hmm. So if there was anything to get, I could get it, you know. And, and so that, that I think, prolonged my access past a lot of people's. But, uh, you know, eventually it, it kind of went away. And then, well, you know. I remember when assisting you guys, if I would make a call somewhere and say, I'm with Sports Illustrated and we're, I, so-and-so's, mm-hmm. co- oh, what do you need? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It opens oh, so we'll open the doors. gym. We'll get you here. Yeah. We'll get you there. Yeah. I got an extension cord, yeah. whatever you need. It was amazing to yeah. say those two words and what yeah. doors were opened. Exactly. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So... Through the 70s, you get all that work, and you're starting to really make good stuff. How are the 80s for you? Because now gear is changing, right? Are you feeling that gear shift? Well, it was. I think we saw, I mean, it wasn't really changing that much. I mean, I think that uh, it wasn't really till the 90s. We saw the EOS one at, in uh, Seoul at the 88 Olympics. Well, what gear are you using? I was like, using Nikon back then. Okay. I'm all but Nikon. You're, but you're all Nikon, so yeah. you're what? Four, six? Four, six, three, you know, um, no zooms. Right. Zooms were no good back then, you know, probably a 180. So a 180, yeah, 35 yeah, or short, something? Yeah, short lenses. Or a 50? Yeah, yeah. Because um, you were closer to the sideline even then. Yeah, yeah. You've yeah. been pushed back further and further, but right. 
probably in, what six feet away. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Jesus. I think, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> and nobody, nobody working in front of you. That was that was one of the big things. I think that happened probably, probably in the early nineties or when they when they just put the TV guys in front of us, and that was that with that. And, right. And the, at the first, two lines, right? The the TV guys were not very nice about it. It you know after a couple of years, it really worked out. I mean, first of all, we got to know that there was nothing we could do about it. Right. And secondly, most of them, with a few exceptions, got the f- kind of the feel for they're going to get what they have to get, but they're not going to, you know, they're not, they're not going to deliberately block us, you know. And you and start to know some of the guys, too. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. You're going down to San Diego. We're up in San Francisco. Yeah. It's, you're, hey, you're Jim. Hey, Gary. Seeing them every week. Right. You know, same faces. So that helps. There's yeah. a little bit of a relationship yeah. there yeah. where he's not going to be a jerk and plop his ass right down in front of right. you. Right. Because that would be miserable. Yeah. When you were traveling in those early days, how was that for you with all that gear? It wasn't bad. I don't know. I, God, I used, to, used to have Halliburton cases, those okay. big aluminum cases, and I had it. They're still out in the garage because there, there wasn't lightware. Think tank wasn't no, around, no. so big metal cases. Right. I mean, big they were metal. aluminum. They weren't, but but still, you know. And uh, I, you know, see that we 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 take that for granted now. Yeah. Like. Whoa, you go shipping? Oh, you put it in the lightwork case or the Versaflex yeah. or whatever. Well, they they really weren't even rollers. No. We should carry everything. Your, your suitcase was a roll was wasn't even a roller. No, no, no. The suitcase wasn't or anything you carried on, you carried on. Mm-hmm. You didn't roll. I think the first person I saw with a roller was Al Messerschmidt, and I thought, that's kind of silly, isn't it? <laughs> oh, Al, you fool. Al was smarter than all of us, dude. He really was. But uh See, where was that entrepreneur in you then? You should have yeah. said, yeah. light bulb, I'm putting yeah. wheels on everything. Yeah. Wheels on everything, I could have done great. But, uh, <laughs> you could have retired <laughs> from <laughs> photography. <laughs> so was that, how were the 80s for you then? They, they were good. They were good. I, you did the Winter Olympics? Yeah, I did. Well, no, I did the Winter Olympics. Was that eight? Was that, I think that was 92, was that? You didn't, do, no, you didn't do you didn't do upstate New York? 80? No, no, the, I've done one winter. Yeah, you, I know Salt you've Lake done City. one. Salt so Lake. it was Salt Lake. That's it. Okay, that's it. That's yeah, because I know it's not your favorite. And well, I don't mind. I mean, I had a blast at Salt Lake. I had everything that I needed. I had, I mean, we had. Uh, I was dating a girl who ended up being the venue photo manager for Ski Jump. Oh well, that's and nice. she knew, and that <laughs> she knew a, a lot of the other people. Uh, she had friends who actually rented us their house. And I mean, the rest of SI was staying in Salt Lake City, in a Holiday Inn, and but they were paying like, you know, two hundred dollars a night, which was a lot back then. So I went to I don't know who it was, maybe it was Heinz, and I said, or maybe it was no, it wasn't Steve. No, but, no. but I went to I said, look, I can get this house for two hundred a night, and I'll be up in the I'll be up in Park City, I'll be up where all the the snow events are, and they said, sure, fine. And so, you know, <laughs> there we were. My assistant, I had this great assistant. He was actually, he was a med student, I think. And he, he was a, a former wrestler and a med student. And he had this great. Who was it? I can't remember. <laughs> I'd never seen him again. Never. I, but he had this great mentality of just, I can do it. Whatever it is, I can do it. And, yeah, he'd pick me up and we'd, you know, we'd do something up there. You could do a couple of events a day and then. You know, then when the skating started, I'd drive down to Salt Lake every night and shoot the skating, and it was a good time. That's really great. Was. Yeah. How was getting away from football and shooting other sports for you? 
in that 70s and 80s period. Did you like that? Getting some baseball, yeah. getting yeah. some track. You were doing uh, Lakers, yeah. right? You did some really like, great early Lakers yeah. work. Yeah, no, the Lakers were great. I mean, it, it was... I mean, that's a quick drive for yeah, you when they were the in form, Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's so sweet, you know, and I'd be home. Because I, I used to park exactly by the parking lot entrance. I'd go out the tunnel. I'd be in my car. I'd be home, like, in time to see the game on, on the news, you know. Right. It was like, yeah, you can listen to Chick on the yeah. way home talk yeah. to you about the game. Yeah. No, that was great. But it was great to shoot the Lakers during that period. I shot Magic Johnson from his very, not his very first game, but his, like, his that, second game, which was in Anaheim Convention Center, which is a place you don't ever want to have to try and light. Oh, I have. It's a pit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Metal grates inside. It's god-awful. Yeah. yeah, so... Um, Shot him all the way through and have done stories. I mean, Magic is a guy. I kind of judge the people I've shot by, like, do they remember me? Okay. And there are not many that do, honestly, because most of these people I saw for one day or an hour or ten minutes in their life. But Magic is, is one who uh, I think he, to this day he would uh, come up and say, hey, Peter. I mean, I think the last time I saw him was that the Dodgers, when they had the new ownership and everything like that, mm -hmm. he came up and gave me a hug and, you know, he's always been great. Well, we did that Matt Kemp and him yeah, in, yeah. Front of the, in front of the A. Right, right. Yeah, yeah God, yeah. years ago. Yeah. When, when you started to shoot basketball and you had to shoot on lights, how was that transition for you? Well, it wasn't the lights so much as the Hasselblads. Okay, that too. So I had a Hasselblad, and I started going to Laker game because I knew this was coming up. Okay, so, so I started going and shooting black and white available okay. to get the feel for it. And what was the Hasselblad for prior to that? Portraits? Or? Yeah, portraits. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was a wonderful camera, you know, but it was it was basically portraits, and, and uh, you know, it focused backwards mm -hmm. from the Nikons, so you had to go the whole thing. Slow yeah. down, think about it. Yeah, yeah. But by the time uh, I actually got there on lights, it was – it wasn't that. I mean, yeah, you want to jump it, and you, you do want to jump it, but you can you get that rhythm after a while, and you get you get the rhythm of the play. That's the thing. I mean, you see everybody now just motoring away, and I I too. I mean, the last few games I went to, you know, it was just motor away, kind of available, and and, and Staples for the Lakers at least it looks great because they keep that background dark. Right, the um, theater light. In it. But you think about the time when it was like, okay, he's coming, he's coming, he's going up, he's gonna. Boom, and you shoot, and he's just coming down with the ball then. Right. And that was that was a challenge. That was very satisfying to get those pictures because there weren't that many, you know. And, and uh, you know, you, you had, you know, maybe you'd shoot six rolls of two and a quarter in, in a game, and Man. it's like, no. But, uh, yeah, I haven't really gone through. I've been trying to go through the football mainly because that's, that's my best market. But, I mean, I got everything back from SI, or supposedly got everything back. I got right. everything that they think. So I've got it. That's why we can't go in my office. It's, all, it's just it's swollen. It's all in bins. And then well, I've got a storage space with more bins. But, oh God. But, uh, yeah. Those, the forum was like that. You know, the, the Boston Garden, Spectrum, all those places. When the guys lit it back then and people were smoking, there was that haze, that haze. and that yeah. look. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. can't get anything like that. that. The placement no. of where we were. Put the strobes, like the lights in the forum. Doesn't matter how you light Staples Center, whatever no, it's called yeah. now. It will never look right. the same. The lighting at the Forum was perfect. Yes, yes. It went black. The yes. fall off was beautiful. Yellow on one side, orange on right. another. Right, right. Perfect. And you yeah. get that little bit of cigarette haze. Yeah. 
it was it's something about that when you saw it and, you, and when you guys shot it with the Hasselblad and it was wide it was yeah. just a picture it was beautiful I mean when you were shooting it were you thinking damn this is good no I was I was I was loving it I was loving it wow I mean, that's and, such uh, it was, it was, it did, okay and, and you're you were you're tr- you liked track you shot a lot of track yeah I, I've always liked track right so what 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 a what did you find interesting about track? I, I mean, I think that, you know, there was, there was sort of so many different things. I mean, there was running, there was throwing, there was vaulting and jumping. There was all this stuff. Essentially, at, at most meets, unless it's some kind of championship that goes for two weeks, most meets, it's all going on at once. So it's kind of like you've got to, I mean, like the Prefontaine. Prefontaine runs for an hour. You know, it's, it's, it's made for TV. <laughs> yeah. And in that hour, they run like 20 events. And if you don't have a script, really, you've got to look at it. You've got to map it out. you got to, okay, now I'm going to go here. Now I'm going to go there. And then, of course, there's the unknowables. Like, how high is the pole vaulter going to go? When is he going to miss? You know? Right. And, I mean, I remember doing, and this is a real specialty, indoor track. Oh, yes. You know, who who just, I don't know if you ever know. Sports arena, right? Sports arena and the forum. There used to be, there at one point, there was San Diego Sports Arena. That's right. Sports arena and the forum. And the promoter was Al Franken, who just actually just passed away. But uh, I remember being at a meet, I think it was at at the sports arena, and Dwight Stones was jumping and jumping and jumping. And there was, everything else was done. And every and he was still going, and it was like everybody in the place was just that's all they were focused on was was him. And he, you know, I don't know if he set a record that night or indoor. But record that bar just kept going yeah, up yeah, and up yeah. and up. Yeah, there was no ending. So, um, so that's cool. I just I actually went up to the Prefontaine this year. How um, was it? Yeah, it was. I mean, obviously, it's mm, different than your first trip. Well, yeah, I because uh, I had done it many many times over the years, and it was always this wonderful. You know, I remember doing it when it was, before it got on TV, it was run in the afternoon, and you have that Oregon where it stays light till oh. 10 o'clock at night. In any case, that's how I remembered it all. I, <laughs> I, what I didn't know until like two weeks before was that they leveled Hayward Field, and they built this all well, new... You, you didn't know about that? I saw it on, on the uh, Olympic trials, I guess it was, or something. Or, yeah, it was yeah. The Olympic trials, yeah. I went, oh, shit. But I'd already... Uh, gotten the credential and couldn't really back out because it was kind of a favor. So, uh, but it was not. It, hey, yeah, they nuked it and started yeah. from scratch. And, and and no photo positions at all. None. No thought to photographer. They had to give us the front row. They give us the front row, which was which was really kind of okay, but you couldn't get low, right. you know, unless you put something a remote down. But I mean, they could have put in a pit. They could have put in all just a few things that would have made it so much better. So it was. It was uh, it was great to be shooting crack, but it was not, you know, you can't go home again. You know? <laughs> things things change. Right. It doesn't matter how, you know, much they try. You can't make it the way it was. Yeah, it was yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. A lot of guys would say that about um, old Mile High Stadium. Loved it. Loved it. Right. I got, I got all that that great light. That candlestick. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Loved it. Yeah. Hate, you know, hate the new place. Right. I remember you had a. Uh, when Cannon and the NFL had a, a contest, and you had a photo of a monkey 
coming out of the stands like an inflatable monkey was coming out of the stands and it was lit and you won like third place. I ha- I remember I had it cut out. <laughs> I don't even remember yeah, that. <laughs> in my locker and I had it cut out because it was so like not NFL. It was some kind of parade. Yeah, I mean, it was the NFL photo contest. They right. had it every year and they, they had feature and action. Yeah. Yeah. No, I used and, to judge that too. And but. here's this like very newspaper photo that you would have yeah. gotten in a community and everybody would have loved it. And it wins this beautiful contest. And I'm like, damn it. You've got to constantly up your game. Yeah. You can't just look for sacks, quarterbacks, yeah. interceptions and stuff. It's always thinking and looking around. Yeah. That was yeah. always the impressive part that you were able to do that through your whole career and not get stuck in a period of time. Well, of like I lot, shoot this. Yeah. A lot of that came from that year shooting for game of passion. A lot of I learned that a lot growth. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Mile High Stadium, there was like nothing else, and it was just you know that's when that, especially even in in the playoffs because that was that one playoff game that Cleveland uh, Denver game. I made the LA picture, which was a cover. I made a Bernie Kosar picture that SI just ran like last month. Uh, they, something about how quarterbacks, different quarterbacks throw differently. Okay, Bernie had that sidearm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and Brad Magin spotted it, and he said, "Hey, I got it." And he said, he, he shot it on his phone and sent it down to me. And it's that same, that same light that was really only there for about fifteen, twenty minutes, right near the end, and then it was just, then it was gone. But it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. my first trip, and everybody telling me, "It's yeah. gonna be here. It's gonna be here." Yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering when's it coming. <laughs> and it was gorgeous. It's yeah. everything I thought. Christ, I almost died going up those steps to get out of there. <laughs> were were there any college early in your career, college football games you were doing? Because you were very NFL heavy, mm-hmm. you know, with the NFL. Outside of I was SC. doing college almost every week. Okay. You know. uh, did a lot of SC to start out with, but then, you know, um, UCLA. I mean, I, I remember when UC, USC, UCLA, and the Rams all played in the Coliseum. And it would be like Friday night. Saturday night and then Sunday afternoon. Banging up. Yeah, yeah. Did you just rent a room in the press box I and stay? Should have. I was napping on the field in the morning. But. <laughs> a little one man tent. Just yeah. God. No, but uh, but no. College was always was always a lot of fun. I mean, I did all the the big ones at one, but not didn't really get deep. I, I did Florida and Florida State. Okay. Uh, I never shot a home game in Alabama. Uh, but, uh, Did you go to Michigan, Ohio state. Oh yeah. Michigan, Ohio state, uh, you know, uh, Oklahoma, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, the red Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, pretty much all those, all those spots, the cotton bowl when it used to be in the, in the actual cotton bowl right. before they moved state it. fair. Right. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever do army Navy? Never did army Navy. Never did it. That's, that's the one thing I, I want to do. Yeah. I don't know who I got to find, but I, that's the one. It's just so beautiful. Well, you just, they move it around now. Right. You know, now Philadelphia it's, it's in MetLife this year. Or, yeah. You know, it's big, you know, and it's like, okay, great. That's wonderful. It's probably a good idea to do that, but I would have liked to do Originally they played at Franklin Field in, mm-hmm. in Philly. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have liked to have done it back there. Right. But, uh, but no, I never, never did do, did that. Was there at any point, any other photography you were, maybe dabbling in other than commercial? Did you ever do like landscapes or astrophotography or did you ever even have time for it? No. You no. were just knee deep in. Yeah, I mean, I was I was developing as a portrait photographer and as a lighting photographer, which again, I had no instruction. 
the first, I had an SI job, uh, uh, this woman archer out in San Bernardino, and it was going to be inside. And I and I went to, I don't know if you remember Balcar Strobes. Yes. And the people who <laughs> sold them, Jacqueline and Robin. I went, they, they were, Robin was the repairman. Jackie was kind of like the strobe earth mother and, and so I went to them, I, I rented some stuff, and they basically told me what to do. And I put up a couple of umbrellas and made a, a really pretty horrible picture. But it was like my first shot at that. And then, you know, as time went by, I started to learn it. And, uh, and again, a lot of it I learned from, from other people. I had a lot of... Uh, Who helped you out at the time? Uh, just, you Anybody know, just... Well, not random. I mean, but people who are who are so long gone i mean i do have i have a list of what i consider guys who assisted me and are now doing better than me like uh annie bernstein okay, Andy, right. Andy assisted me mm -hmm. you know uh max morris mm -hmm. who is now you know something with with uh the uh, online learning thing right um jeff batari who's got like three jobs in vegas right. and does all sports all the time uh all these guys are like yeah yeah i remember i taught him everything they knew well you're like the the uh uh Walsh of the NFL, like your tree. You have my tree. Yeah, yeah. your tree yeah. that falls off is unbelievable. You got your whole grin over here, and yeah. you got your Marinucci, and you've got this whole spread that's come through, and you've touched and wow. helped out. It's unbelievable. But for, for a time, and especially this was in the '80s, a lot of guys out of uh, out of Art Center, mm -hmm. uh, and they taught them lighting at Art Center, and so I learned a lot from that, you know, and the, the original, you know, started using soft boxes because they were, they were very new. That was a very Right, it was still very thing. thing. It was, uh, umbrellas were still like, yeah, yeah. Or, right? Yeah, so started using soft boxes and bigger umbrellas and just, you know, grid spots and all that stuff that I really, you know, just kind of picked up. I never took, and, and, I, and I'm not, I don't say that out of pride. I just say it out of, that's a fact. That's right. the way it was. You know? that's, that wasn't in your wheelhouse when yeah. you started. Yeah. But as it turned out, you know, uh, in the, say, the second half of my career, I did a lot of, lot of portraits for the magazine, and I loved it. Right. Because I, I could kind of like, you know, you go to a football game, they tell you where to park, they tell you where to go, they tell you da 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 da, da. And, you know, sometimes that's fine because all you have to think about is shooting. You're on a portrait gig, you're responsible for everything. You're responsible for the coffee creamer. You know? Yeah. I, I remember one time we had a big, it was a big ad shoot. It was for Kodak, I guess. And, you know, big crew and everything. And we were sort of doing the catering ourselves, kind of, you know, my, my girlfriend at the time. And we didn't, we had to stop at a restaurant and buy like a, a quart of cream because there was <laughs> nothing for the coffee, you know, but, but, uh, but those are all fun too, you know. I mean, I really like that balance. I didn't want to be a John Beaver who did action, action, action. I didn't want to be just a portrait guy. I wanted to do both, and I did. Right. So. Yeah. It was. It was interesting to watch if you split your career and look at the ability of you to adjust and pivot, and actually move into being adding light into your tool yeah. bag wow. and and use it. Were you able to? have a conceptual idea and get it in front of your camera very easily with light and seeing like, I want it to be like, yeah, I would, I would come in with ideas. It was, there's a weird thing working to magazine. I mean, for a long time we had an art director who would never commit 
to anything. I'd call them up and I'd say, okay, we're going to do this cover this week. What do you think? Well, I don't know, you know, and he would literally sit there and when the managing editor picks on me, he says, yeah, that's the one, that's the one. He was, he was, he was so <laughs> frustrating and he was there forever. I'm not even going to mention his name because I can't remember. Just look it up in his mask. Yeah, yeah, he was there forever. And then, unfortunately, as we kind of finished out, um, uh, we had a managing editor who was, he was a good guy, but he believed that everything should be brightly lit and everyone should be smiling. And that was, that was kind of the death. Those last oh. years, I had a lot of stuff, a lot of covers and everything that I just look and I say, because you know, at that point, we're also we're shooting everything on white because they're going to change the color anyway. So I have all this stuff of people on white smiling, lit pretty much the same, lit with a, you know, even big, yeah, big ass umbrella or something like that, you know, and filled, you know, so very little, very little shadow. Ratio of yeah, si yeah, yeah, light, yeah. just even. Yeah, and it's like, damn, I had all those people that I wish. And I, <laughs> I did try and do, when I could, I tried to do, like, my version uh, as well. But, you know, you got you to gotta give them their version. Mm -hmm. You got to give them their version. Then if something else works out as it does once in a long, long while, but otherwise, you know, don't do not do your version and say, here, I thought this was going to be better. They're going to say, well, where's ours? <laughs> yes. Oh, you don't have it? Oh, yeah. Did you fight for assignments back then, trying to get your hands on boxing maybe, or you know, do like the Hearns-Thomas fights or Hagler or Duran? Or? It was pretty, there wasn't much fighting to be done. It was pretty much decided. Okay. You know, and, and, uh, decided as, it, but, as in this person's going. Yeah. 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 There was very, very little that you could, and it all happened so fast, you know, it happened on Monday morning. That was that. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, you, you had the assignment and it was very hard to, to back out and change. I could, you know, if I wasn't doing anything and there was something like, Many, many a time, I just went to San Francisco because it was a day game and it was going to be San Francisco and it was going to be great light. And, and Steve, Heinz, most of the um, directors of photography would send me. Just, you know, go up, fly up there, spend a little, spend a little money, rent a car, get an assistant, and see if you can make a picture. Right. See if you can make it. Once, that something, was leading off. Yeah. Once we started leading off, that was like... Right, there was, the leading off something. Yeah. Find me, find me something. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, Candlestick was just was easy for that the team was great yeah and candlestick was gorgeous they wore red yeah they wore red yeah. it stood out yeah yeah you know the division wasn't that wasn't that bad no, so that no. helped if they were playing with the rams you had yeah. dickerson or something like that when you get through those 80s and gear now we'll go back to mm -hmm. gear when was gear starting to change for you and you get into canon well yeah i kind of did too i did a switch for canon in the early 80s, it wasn't, it was still, wasn't the EOS, it was the, the new F1, but they had a 4028, and Nikon did. Right. They changed so, the mount, right? Was that the whole mount the, switch? Well, they changed they change the mount every week. I mean, there was like the F1, and then they changed the mount for the new F1, and of course, they changed it again for the EOS, you know? And now we're in the RF mount, you know? But, but... Uh, you can't keep track. I did a... Big switch, I think it was like in 81, I went over to Canon to get that 400 eight, And, you know, of course, got the rest of the stuff. But Canon had no 6. They had this horrible nightmare 6 with 
Oh, the dial. And wheel focusing. Yeah. yeah, they had an eight like that, too, and they neither one were very good. The six was four or five. They had a 125th sync when Nikon, when the F, uh, FMs were going 250th. And I, I remember I wrote this long letter to the president of Canon because I, I had done I had done the I did the ad in uh, in eighty four did the ad for Canon and the TV spot and the whole thing with uh, God it was a, it was a runner some some runner but but that was weird you know because they didn't give me a motor drive I was supposed to be shooting this like you know click 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 it was crazy but that's TV you know <laughs> so I had met this guy this president I wrote him this letter I said look. You need a faster sync speed. You need a good 600. You need all these things. I I didn't really understand dealing with the Japanese then like I do now. You know, they don't care. Did you honestly think he I, was... I thought I should try. Now, was this North American canon or no, was straight was, to... No, this was canon straight to Japan. Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, I, I gave it a shot, but... Um, was anybody else... Right behind you, complaining with pitchforks and like, yeah, Not really. there weren't that many cannon shooters out there. Oh, right so you're there. just you're this rare yeah, unicorn kind of voice in the wilderness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so listen to me. <laughs> so the '84 Olympics come around. Nikon's now got a 428. I go back to Nikon briefly, and I'm. Now how I'm, difficult was that back then? Going back and forth, back and it forth. It was hard. It was hard. Because who'd you sell your stuff to? Because Oh, they, you know, I could always find people to, to buy any stuff. And, and I all, you know, when I went to Canon, there were guys at Canon. They didn't give me stuff. There was no explorers of light or anything, but they were very helpful in terms of expediting getting things and all that. But then uh, I was at a football game, and it was after, so probably 85, and Walter Yos was there. And he says, come here, I want to show you something. And he gives me this EOS with this 600. And he says, here, just push the, push the focus button. And I was like, fine. And I thought, and I switched back, like, in, in literally in a, in a matter of weeks. I was like, and there was a guy, uh, Patrick Murphy Racy, I'm sure you, you mm-hmm. heard him, I who was running, he, he was running a business then because so many people were switching. He had this business called Photofax, and he would fax all the, this was before the Internet, with all this stuff. So he sold all my stuff for me. It was great. But yeah, I went back to Canon and never looked back, you know, after that. But I Can I, you imagine that Patrick was doing that? Like he was like the middleman of getting people what do you got? What do you got here? Yeah, you got you got four hundred, yeah. you got three hundred, you got thirty five, you got yeah. a wife. He's a deal he's a dealer. He's a wheeler dealer. He's a Chicago guy and he can always make a deal. You gotta love that that yeah. he was doing that yeah. when you needed. He was yeah. your eBay, your Craigslist. Right, right. He he saw it all. And uh <laughs> So yeah, so then I so I you was, jumped in. You're back, I, back. Yeah, I was I was in in Canon, and I was starting to you know really use the autofocus, and it was really really working. And so through well, maybe the mid '90s, no one else at SI used Canon. I kicked ass. I I shot outshot a lot of people who were actually better action shooters than I was because I was sh- shooting Canon autofocus. Really, and they were still shooting manual Nikon's. And it was it was it was giving you that little extra. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was giving me that little. Where extra. was it? Was it just the? Was it you would swing was, from quarterback to receiver and hit the focus and be there? Yeah, and it was also tight. Tight okay. was always better with autofocus, you know. So yeah, you right. got a lot of a lot of tighter stuff that you maybe wouldn't, you know, maybe manual. You'd you'd maybe just miss the eyes or something like that. But and, it would be, be it would be acceptable. Yeah, yeah, back yeah. then. Yeah, I mean, I look at a lot of the old stuff now and, and this stuff 
this stuff was published, this stuff ran, you know. But You have to judge it in its time. It's old stuff, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that was kind of my, my camera journey right there. And then in the 90s, they started up the Explorer of Light program and put me in it. And, and so I've done all, a lot of work for them since then. And, um, you know. So you've really seen some unbelievable change, though. Yeah. Because yeah. that, that early EO system compared to now is yeah. just got off. Well, I'm going to say this. Um, the film EOS, that autofocus got really good. The EOS at the end it did one the, v, the one V, yes, that thing, and it was years in the digital before they got back to that level of autofocus. What was it that made that V? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. They had finally perfected and everything, and now then they went to digital, and it was like. All new. We don't have we don't have the you know the things that we can't bounce it off the film. I don't know what they right they were doing, but but uh, it was uh, it was totally different. But they've really caught up, and now you know now with the the mirrorless, it's it's amazing. You know, it's like it's it's very they're very complicated, and it took me a long time to figure out the R three, but uh, I did, and it works amazingly. It does a lot of things I don't even want it to do. You know, right. like following the subject. You can't do that on a football field because there's a lot of subjects and they're all dressed the same, you mm -hmm. know? And you can't follow faces because there's 26, 28 faces there. And guess what? Behind them are even more faces. <laughs> yeah. So Theater, that's fantastic. Yeah, track. Football field, not so good. Track, no, it was great on the track. And yeah, track, even soccer. Um, but uh, football, you have to really... My whole fight was, okay... Dumbing it down, dumbing it down, dumbing it down. I mean, I, I had a lot of talks with Rudy Winston at, at Canon. I said, Rudy, I want this to work just like my last camera. He says, no, but it does all these wonderful things. I said, I know, I love it, but this is what I need for football. Right, but the way I shoot and the way I needed to do this, and that's yeah. the problem. Sometimes yeah. those engineers don't see it that way. No, I've had um, a number of conversations with Canon engineers over the years. And <laughs> I'm sure there. you could write a book on that. I don't know that any of them have had any any significance whatsoever. It's kind of like they're over there, they're doing what they think they they the people want, and sometimes they're right, and sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're wrong. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but bless their hearts. I mean, and and the whole <laughs> the, the whole thing, you know, with the competition with with Sony now and and even Nikon now, it's great because it keeps everybody pushing. Right. Absolutely. I mean, we wouldn't have the cameras we did today if if it was just. You know, one, one company, man, one right? Company, yeah, you know, or even two. I think Sony's really pushed everybody up. Oh, Sony has has made yeah, them put yeah. on their big boy pants right, and, and right. try. Yeah, yeah, because they've been lazy. Oh yeah, I, I think that's why they got so far behind. I think Canon, especially was, was the mirrorless. They weren't doing anything. Although you know, Canon has a saying that they don't necessarily want to be first; they want to be best. Right. So I give them that because they were not first with the digital. SLR, a pro digital SLR. Nikon right. was out for a year or two before they, mm -hmm. you know, but they do all right when they get when they get around to right. it. Right. When was your first Olympics? Uh, 84. How was that for you, being at home? It was great. It was wonderful. It was like, first of all, it was the high point of all life in Los Angeles forever. Isn't you know? it weird that that was, I was yeah. a kid and I thought, it can't get any better than this. The freeways are empty. Everybody was friendly. Everybody, you know. Lionel Richie's album's out. Yeah. Everybody's dancing. And it's yeah. great. It's 80s. No, I loved it. I loved it. And, 
you know, I mean, I started out, I didn't, well, this is kind of going back to what I, I said about, I, I didn't know that I was going to do it for SI for quite a while. And in the meantime, um, Con Keyes was director of photography at the LA Times. He w taught photography over in Arizona. Okay. He was a mentor to McDonough and a number of people. Mm -hmm. um, and I sort and he calls me in for an interview because he wants to hire me to shoot the Olympics for the Times. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I'll take that. And then he's okay. Just uh, go down to HR and, and they'll get you all signed up. And I went down. How unusual was that for them to reach outside of their department? I think he was trying to uh, cut us. He was just new there. He was not, he had not come up through the ranks. He was a journalism professor, right. photojournalist professor. And they brought him in, and I think he wanted to do some things that were out of the ordinary. And, uh, you know, I was at that time, I had a contract, but it didn't prohibit me from working for anybody else. But I went down to that that human resources and all those lines and all those windows and all those things. And literally I walked out. That was it. I just, I thought, no, this is not just going to be fun shooting the Olympics. This is a job. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I've made it this far without having a job. So, and then fortunately, the whole job scared you. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, fortunately, uh, you know, as I came along and asked me and I was like, I mean, that's my, that Carl Lewis cover. That was a total, you know, I was shooting boxing in the, in the old sports arena. And I had this theory about Carl Lewis. He'd never practiced with the team. I thought he was going to drop the baton. So I, for that one relay. Now, now why did you have that thought? That I just seen it reports that he was not, he was not practicing at all with the relay team. What, I forgot. What was the reason? I don't, you know, God knows why Carl did anything. Right. But in any case, he felt he didn't need to. I thought, he's not He's not going to handle that. Now, turns out I was like about 20 years too early for U.S. relay teams dropping batons, well, which yeah. they do with regularity now. Yeah. But but uh, so I left boxing. Well, it's so easy to hold it, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard to drop it. It's so passe. So I split from, I knew what time the race was, and I split from boxing because boxing, they're wearing headgear. You're shooting right. from above. It Big was, pads, it too. You don't see anything, yeah. It was horrible. And so... I walked across to the Coliseum and plopped down about midway through the final stretch, looking at the, at the fourth turn. And here comes Carl, and he does not drop the baton. And he goes on, to, you know, well, U.S. wins the race. And uh, I thought I had one roll film, and I dropped it, you know, because that's all you, you know, he one pass. It's a, it's a right. four by 100 relay. It was like boom, boom, boom. That was it. Now, what, what film were you shooting inside? It had to be what? Well, see, see, that was the Fuji Olympics. That's right. That was the Fuji Olympics. So I was probably, I think they had a 1600 neg. They at least had an 800 neg. Okay. I think I was shooting that. But so I had, you were using their film. SI didn't say whatever we used. Oh, no. SI said, you use whoever's giving us free film, you use it. <laughs> and and uh, so I just, I dropped it in the envelope. I sent it in that. It was all being processed at Maxon's lab right. at the time. And didn't. And this was Saturday. Didn't think a thing about it. Monday morning, Barbara Hinkle, who was the director of photography at the time, calls me up, says, you got the cover. And I literally did say, of what? Because I literally did not think they were going to put boxing on the cover. And I couldn't, you know, I, I hardly I know. remembered making that shot. In your head, are you starting to try to think, like, what did I shoot? What yeah, did I shoot? I, I am. I am. I literally am. She's out with Carl Lewis from the relay. I was like, 
could have knocked me over with a feather. Yeah, I was, I was totally shocked. And, um, you know, it's funny. If you look at that picture, Ben Johnson's in the, in the right behind him, you know, um, later to become famous in his own right. Right. You know? Well, the, people don't realize everybody thinks that 88 was their first time. No, no. they had been tied yeah. to the hip for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, so that was kind of, yeah, that was, it was a great Olympics. What uh, else did you shoot that you found of interest? Uh, I actually went up to uh, uh, wherever that was in, in around Oxnard that, and did shoot some crew. Because okay. one of my friends was one of the officials, so I got on a slightly better boat than the rest of the media. <laughs> still, you're in this little runabout shooting these little long things. That, that wasn't much. Shot some gymnastics. That okay. was fun. But again, really, you know, it was in poly, and you really didn't have the speed. It was 200 F2s, and that was it, you know. And uh, I don't know, just, I, you know, I think I did – that's really about the only track I did because track was for the big guys. Track was for right. Manny and, and Heinz and, and all of them. But um, uh, I enjoyed it anyway, you know, just riding around. We all had these because there were no cell phones. So we all had these radios hitched to some repeater up in the mountains and everybody's calling each other and, and everything. And, and uh, Your version of Navy SEAL Special yeah, Forces yeah, there. Yeah, and I remember the last, the last day uh, I had a – one of the guys who was helping us out, James Perez, had a motorcycle, and we did uh, the marathon. We shot. We did a we did a ladder on Wilshire Boulevard, put up a ladder, shot some there, and then just left the ladder. You know, I mean, those, right? Yeah, who cared? You know, and rode around, hit a couple other spots. I think the, they came somehow through the marina, and then ended up on um, God, what is it? Uh, Martin Luther King right when they were coming in for the finish, and I shot that, and I thought, you know, I could go to the closing ceremony. So at this point, in every Olympics, it starts out tight and ends up very loose. I didn't have, because the closing ceremony was ticketed, you know, where you mm -hmm. had to get, I didn't have a ticket, but I knew I could just walk down that tunnel and do that. And then I thought, nah, I just got on James's bike and had him take me home, <laughs> and it was like, I'm done. 20 minutes to get home. It was a feeling of, of immense satisfaction. You know, had I not gotten the cover, I would have still felt the same way. Right. So were you walking around that second half of the Olympics as the guy that got the cover? Right? Cause no, this is the last. This oh, is so the very end. This is the last Olympic, the last one for the. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. the, you get, there's two covers possibility. Yeah, really three. If we jam, if we jam one, I think we did because it was Rafer. Yeah, Ron Madra. Well, got, yeah, got sure. Rafer for, from the opening ceremony, and then I think it was a swimming cover the second because okay. Zimmerman was still shooting. He was shooting for us there, and they had that whole thing was like, you know, I never shot any swimming. I shot some diving. I went up, and shot some diving, but uh, and then and then Mike Carl Lewis cover because that's when he'd won four four goals. Yeah, his four. Yeah. How was it meeting Zimmerman? John was great. He was the kindest, nicest man. We. You know, I didn't spend a lot of time with him. There's just one funny thing that I uh, I did a little work for this French agency, Sigma. And um, the Japanese emperor, prime minister, some big guy from Japan was coming to the U.S. It was a big, big deal. And John was supposed to shoot it for time. And they screwed up. They didn't get him a credential. So we're all we're all we're all sitting down in this this press room the day before, and and uh, Tony Carodi, who was my contact at Sigma, he was the guy who got me 
the thing. And John's saying, well, I guess you're taking over for me now. <laughs> you know, and it, it's totally gracious. He didn't right. care, you know. But, uh, no, we had uh, several several times uh, he had us up for lunch at his house, you know, the house with the tennis court, mm-hmm. and uh, and some dinners, some pre-Super Bowl dinners we had and everything. No, he, he was the best. He really was. Yeah, I never you know, got to meet him, but he, he everything I hear, he was just So gracious and so just, he was just, I don't know. He was a great guy. That's nice. Amazing. So, Todd Marinovich, that 87 story. Okay. If you could have even thought about what that story then would have led to. Well, right? now, we're talking the very first. Capo Valley, the yeah, high school. The high school one. With right. The, with all those people in that room, and, and we had built all these little podiums for her, and then we, we, for some reason. So how does the story come to you? Just that there's. Because you knew there, Marv, right? At least of him. He played it as C. Yeah, but I didn't really know him. I didn't okay. really know him. It was just like, this guy is a real star. I think he's got this whole team of people who work with him. So let's shoot a picture of all of them. So then, hence the whole thing. And for some reason, we had to shoot with the lights out. I, I don't know. I think we had somebody had a screen. Yes, there was a screen. And, and so the lights are out. I'm up on a ladder. The strobes start to pump, and I'm kind of going, it makes you dizzy. It was like, whoa. But we did that, and it wasn't anything that I was terribly – it was one of those things that's just a lot of work. You get it done. You get them the shot. But it's nothing that you're really Right. It was also somebody else It looks like, somebody else's conceptual idea. Yeah, pretty much. Well, they said just do them with all the people. And I kind of worked out how to get them all in there. But, but yeah. Um, So then – you know, come around and we're doing them. I'm doing them at USC, and now I'm starting to get to know him, and I'm seeing things like you know, his. I I, I talk a lot with his mom, who was uh, you know, uh, related to Craig Furtick. Okay, and she was like, she would come and 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 sneak him away and bring him lunch, bring him sushi and stuff like that. That, that Marv wouldn't let him, wouldn't let him eat. Right. You know, and so. Um, you know, I got to know him fairly well. I remember, it's, it's funny, we're over in the Coliseum. We're doing a portrait in the Coliseum up in the Parastyle Inn. And there's a plaque that said, you know, in 1960, John F. Kennedy accepted his... I was there for that. I was. You in, were there? I was in junior high school, and they were they were bussing bodies down. And somebody, my, my mother, who was a staunch Republican her entire life, but somebody she knew said, well, you know, if he wants to, Peter wants to come, it's a bus ride and all that, wear a white shirt. And that was, I was up in the top of the Coliseum and saw this little old John Kennedy. But but they, Todd, and the couple of people who were with him who were his age looked at me like, damn, you must be old. <laughs> but he was, he was always great to work with. And um, I even reached out, I, somehow or other, I still had his number after, He'd left the Raiders. He'd been through all his troubles. And somehow or other, I had a contact number for him. And I called him and I said, listen, SI, you remember me? He said, yeah, yeah. Do you want to do a picture? He said, no, man, not, I don't really want to do it now. So so I didn't get that last picture, which is a little a little disappointing because it would have been would have been cool. But but no, it was, it was, you know, he was a unique guy. But you could see if once you got the dynamics of he, his dad, his mom, it was not hard to figure out this was not going to end well. You could see it. Yeah, you could see it. I mean, my favorite picture from all those stories is after practice. After practice, 
he and his dad. His dad's like, they're leaning up against a car, I guess. I guess it was on the practice. They're leaning up against something on the practice field. It is literally lit by streetlights. And his dad is like, you know, telling him what he should have been doing and everything like that. And that's At an SC football practice. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah after an SC football right. practice. Yeah. Who was, who was coach? It wasn't Hackett. It was a... Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember. Oh. Rob... Was Robinson? Or it is might this, have been. Might have, no, I don't no, think it was Robinson. No, because Robinson was... He came back from... Yeah, I think it was back. after that. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so... Talk about the image that we talked about earlier where he's on the phone. I, I think it's gorgeous. It's uh, at the Coliseum. Sun's going down. Players are on the bench. He's lit. He's on a phone. You know, he's got these huge, giant knee pads and everything else, and you lit it. What were you thinking? It was just... I used to light every... I used to hit Norman 200 Bs, man. I used to... My poor assistant used to drag him around and... And, uh, did you, know, you always bring it thinking you would try to make something? I didn't always bring it, but for a while I did. For a while I, I did. I even shot a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of night football with it, you know, like sit in the end zone and wait till they come at you and made a picture. That trying I'll, to make uh, something different? Yeah, yeah, Kay. yeah. But uh, Cross light or just trying to fill it? Yeah, or? just kind of moving, moving it. Yeah, just kind of a, a little off at an angle, mm-hmm. not not too um, like I think Heinz did at the uh, at the Orange Bowl, right? Because you still had to be wired in, right? Well, there were no. We had radios. Okay, we had those, those sl- really those, bad radios. Yeah, they, they were garage door openers. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but they they once in a while they worked, and you know, <laughs> there were the smoking I, like a man who's been beaten once or twice <laughs> by it not working. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> but th- there was one brand, and then and then Dynalite came out with one that still used the had a better receiver, but. It was all it was all very sketchy, but but yeah, I did a, a lot of a lot of stuff um, in that period. I would you know have the assistant bring the lights and just you know see what we could get, even even when it was a bright day to try like Art Shell. You know mm-hmm. what are you gonna do? You gotta light him, right? You know in in yeah. black with a black hat, and he's a know? very dark skinned yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, right. You're like, come on, Art. Yeah, you had Please. to pump it in, so. Uh, so yeah, that was you know that was again that was a great time. I mean, I've I've seen a couple of photographers do a little bit of that in the last couple of years, and again, it's kind of like yeah, I did that, but you know, it's still it's still admirable. But I don't see anybody doing it now. Oh no, it's so beautiful the way the, the all the light you could tell. You could tell you've been to that stadium before. You knew where the sun was going to go. You could see the love of SC. You could see the understanding of football. You knew your subject. He didn't make eye contact with you in yep. that shot. He no. was worried about what the quarterback coach or somebody was yeah, yeah. giving he, him earful. He was in, his head was in the game. And you lit it so and, well. And he was enough used to me that he didn't go, oh, what's that guy taking my picture for? He was like, I was like invisible to him. Mm-hmm. Right. Which was, I think, a big part of it. It was what works. But the... If you look at it, if you really break down the detail of that photo, you, you get a time period because you can see the size of the knee pads that are huge. Yeah. They're bigger than his knees. The yeah. knee braces that look like you can hold up a small Volkswagen Beetle <laughs> with. Yeah. You know, the shoulder pads. Everything was so big in those late 80s, early 90s, where right. now it's right. all carbon fiber, and yeah. a third it's the size. And and yeah, it's, everything's teeny. Yeah, yeah. So well done. Wow. I loved it. Thank you. <laughs> it was just one of those ones where when you shot it and I and I it's a, it's a cutout and go okay, I gotta try to do that. Damn, that's beautiful. It was it kind of throws me back to those photos. 
where the quarterbacks always had what looked like water polo swimming jackets oh, yeah, the with big, the hoods. The big part, the right, big, the big capes. Part, capes, capes, right? Yeah. 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 But then they also had this giant black phone, a telephone. Yeah. yeah and they're yeah. talking up to some guy yeah. up there named Hank or Stu, you know, and, and getting an earful yelled at. And then yeah. there's some boy who's shoveling hay on the side to keep them warm. Right. And you're right. like, what the hell's the guy with the hay doing? <laughs> but that's what they used to do in yeah. Minnesota and yeah. in, in Chicago. Yeah. There was a hay boy. Yeah. Which is bonkers. Did you ever have games um in really extremely brutal weather like the fog game in chicago you didn't or, do the fog game it's funny right. that, that came up the other day but i i had some games in green bay i did some games in green bay philly cincinnati green bay probably the worst um you were know. at the you were at that game 49ers green bay up in the Bay Area for the playoffs. That was a a deluge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it think was, you guys had more canoes than you had. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was a mud fest. And uh, but you know, Green Bay. I mean, there was one that uh, was Giants was a championship game against the Giants, and my hand literally froze up. Wouldn't work. Wouldn't wouldn't work. I had to put the autofocus on on front button autofocus because I couldn't. For the whole couldn't first half, I couldn't hit the autofocus button. Couldn't move your thumb. No, no. And for some reason, it kind of loosened up in the second half. And, <laughs> you know, I was okay. But it was like, we, because we had some kid editing on, on the spot. And he was like, kept sending out notes <laughs> saying, well, what's wrong? What's the matter? You're not getting anything. <laughs> and I was like, dude, yeah, I'm lucky to be holding the camera. Yeah, I don't <laughs> have a right hand. Yeah. How did the Dorsey High project come about? That was, I think, that was offered. Is it? We were still in Barcelona. Yeah, it was ninety two. Heinz is running things. Um, I think he just brought back Steve as his deputy, and and I think Steve offered it to me, and I thought, wow, that'll be something different, and it was cool. It was, it was, it was good. I mean, I and I liked the the writer. Shelly. Shelly was great. And uh, spent a lot of time on that. I mean, that's when you could spend a lot of time right. on it. Right. How, how long do you think you spent? Well, probably probably easily 10 shoot days. Wow. You know, over the course of maybe six weeks, two months. Jesus. And, and you know, I was, you know, I never felt that I got everything I could have gotten out of that. But What I, were you trying to achieve? And then you, what, didn't you? Just more of the feel. I, I mean, and, and the thing was that the whole point of the story was Dorsey High School, the, the area is so bad that no one would come and play them. But it was, they weren't that bad. They weren't a bunch of thugs. They were just kids. Right. It wasn't them. It was the neighborhood. Yeah, it was the neighborhood. And, and in the end, the very last thing I shot, the very last night, the, the game, I parked right by the coach's office, but I had left a couple things in the car, and it got gone. I had some, actually, because I shot that all with Leica, and I had some Leica lenses that I borrowed from Sammy's that I was testing out, so it was like a couple thousand dollars. But, you know, it's like, you it's easy to get to feel too familiar. Like, oh, I'm okay. They all know me. Right. Well, the guy who broke into my car didn't know me. <laughs> he didn't give a shit. So, um but it was a fun story. And then there's an interesting corollary to um, – there's one picture from the game where two players are, are, are shaking hands. And 
uh, it turns out the guy who we were kind of featuring was uh, related to a big guy in the Bloods, big guy in the Bloods, and it was it was basically it was a Crip school, and he was mm-hmm. he was but he was part of a Blood family. So the caption originally said, even you know, even on the football field, Bloods and Crips can you know can shake hands, but. We had a very fact-oriented assistant managing editor, and he insisted to say, even on the football field, blood, parens, number 42, and crip, parens, number 28, could shake hands. We were sued over that. The guy, the guy who was... Because he identified... We call, yeah, we called him out as a, as, a, as a blood. I mean, it's like everybody knew, but now it's in print. That's different. You can know it and not have to deal with it, but once it's in print, that's that's an insult. That's a threat, you know. Or you could have marked him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so that that turned. I had to do a deposition and everything like that. And you know, it's it's kind of when I learned that if you're going to be a big time lawyer, you don't go to work for a, a media company because <laughs> they did a bunch of stuff. Our lawyers did a bunch of dumb stuff, and I finally. Yeah, Heinz is in charge. I said, Heinz, this this lawyer just gave out my home address to these these gang guys who were suing us. Uh, he said, okay, hire your own lawyer. I'll pay for it, and I did. And it all worked out. Right. You know, I think they I think they settled for uh, not a whole lot, but it wasn't. Once I did the deposition, it was kind of out of my my concern. And you know, why did you choose the Lycus? I just wanted something that was a little less conspicuous. A little less noise, you know. I was shooting in classrooms. Okay. I was shooting, you know, in practice. Just something, you know, and and it was a little different. And mm-hmm. I, I think I think there is something to how you see through a rangefinder camera that's different than how you see through a, a reflex camera. Um, not that it's better or worse. Just but it's a little different. Way you see. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to kind of go a little out of my. Zone. Right, it's yeah. very the, the images are very again photojournalistic. It's yeah, kind of well, goes back, you know, fifteen. That's what I was aiming right, for. Right, fifteen yeah. years earlier, you're back with you know Dwight White on the field. Yeah, you yeah. because you did shoot it black and white, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, ha- and there's this the one image where they're playing and the lights beautiful and it's kind of a bit of a slower shutter speed and it has this like Amber Crombie Finch kind of commercial advertising feel that's not very. Yeah. You know, that, I love that picture and it. That I actually, for some reason, that was like the very first time we went down there, Shelly and I, and it was, it was fall. It was before school started and they were having a practice. And I think, I think I shot that with a Hasselblad. It was just like they came by and it reminded me of when I used to play football when I was a kid. And we and I, and mostly I grew up in, in Evanston, north of Chicago, and we would play in, in alleys. Because there really weren't a lot of parks around. Not that we were poor, not that we were starving, right. but that was that was the best place to play. It just you it made you really keep your kicks straight. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, because it was no fun to get on a garage roof. But but, but also everybody got in the, came out of their yards. Yeah, go into the alley. You see, there's yeah. Jimmy. There's Kevin. There's Steve. Yeah. And, you. and we, you know, so that's that that feeling was that feeling that I had. And we were probably all nobody wore shorts back then. We were all in long pants and, and the whole thing. Right. So. Do, when you were doing that, did you get a bit of nostalgic 
kind of your here, here and there, yeah, yeah. You know, because you hadn't spe- you're spending some time with high schoolers, right? Right. Now you're you're you know you're a male, adult, older male yeah, at yeah, that point. Yeah, you know, white, white guy, guy in yeah. a very very black neighborhood, yeah. standing out. But yeah, but no, everybody was that was the thing is we, you know. The editors, the writers, you know, well, not the writer because Shelley was very, you know, but the intent was to make them out to be real badasses, and and they, by and large, were not. They weren't. No, they were just kids. If I'm, I know, I think Curtis Conway came from 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 there. Yeah, yeah. eighty eight or eighty nine or whatever. Yeah, we were yeah. in the same class. It was, it's the area that's bad, not yeah. the kids typically yeah. in the school because. You're either out of the you're out of school and in the gang by then. You're not yeah. normally in the gang going and playing football. Right, right. You right. just have a cousin or a pal. Yeah, that was the whole thing. It was all kind of relate who was related to who and who was not that they were actually. You right. know, I mean, I think it's a little different now, but that's you know that's the way it was then. And do you, do you wish you had done a couple more of those kind of projects? I would have liked to. You know, there have been sort of. Uh, you know, kind of title changes and mm-hmm. who gets what and who is thought of for what and, you know. Because um, from, like, Barbara to, to Heinz, totally different oh, people, yeah, right? Yeah, totally, totally. And then and then from Heinz to Steve. Right. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I have this phrase, it's, you know, it's, it's when, when your friend becomes your boss, you lose your friend and you get another asset for your boss. So... <laughs> It's not really true. I mean, Steve and I remain friends, but Absolutely. it definitely put our relationship on a different footing, which I took me a while to realize that, you know, because uh, we were we had been close since Steve had started at the magazine before he went to the New York Times. Right, yeah, because he jumped back and yeah, forth twice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's like myself and Delaquani and Bill Epperidge, we educated Steve as to what he what the hell he was doing. He wanted to be a writer. He wanted to, he, he wanted to work at People. And they said, well, we don't have any people, but we have this opening as a junior photo editor at Sports Illustrated. He said, well, I'll give it a try, you know, and here we are, you know, 50 years later. Right. But, uh, but no, and there were, there were times when you were perceived as the first choice for things, and there were other times when you weren't. Right. Other people were, and that's, that's kind of the way it went, you know. And after all the time I was there, the 40 years, I, I came to see that, you know. Do you feel like you got pegged, oh, the football guy? I was definitely one of the football guys. I but mean, I, would you have liked to just been Peter, the staff photographer, and I could do it all? Don't no, because I was I was definitely pegged as a, as a a lighting studio guy as well. At the end, yeah. Well, or, it, or the last half. Yeah, the last half. You know, um, it just was like, are you getting the A plus right, assignments, right, yeah. or are you getting the A minus and the B assignments? And, you know, it kind because of, as you know, there's stories to cover for an assignment, and there's go to a game and try to make a picture yeah, assignment. Yeah, you do a lot of those. It kind of gets old because you kind of want to work a story. Right, right, right. You want to have a little purpose. Right. Oh, we're doing a story on Randall Cunningham. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah, he's going to be flying through the air, and it's going to be interesting. If you just go to make a picture up a candlestick yeah. again. Okay, I'm gonna at least see Z, man. Yeah, you know? Z. You know, Max would be up there. We, you know, maybe we'll have lunch before or breakfast before the game or something like that. But yeah, that, there's a but. But it was never. It never got old. It it never. But it is. And this is kind of what I miss uh, in what I do now with the AP. Is I, I miss. Yeah, you you really. I mean, the perfect AP photographer gets a an ISO 
full body action of every photo- every player on both teams. Mm-hmm. I never do that. Right. You know, I about the third quarter, I wake up and I go, oh, shit, I better get. So then I start shooting like, dip, 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 like the whole defensive backfield right. in one, one play. You Verticals, know, people, just yeah, the guys yeah, backpedaling. Yeah, 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 I know. That's what they want. So, And isn't that, isn't that just like, who wants that? But it sells, and you're just like, that's not a picture. And I don't even think, I, I really have a theory that, honestly, because if you look at everything on the Internet, almost all of it is, is horizontal. Right. You know, it's six by nine, you know, mm-hmm. and that we should be more aware of that or be made more aware. But that's that's a whole other thing that's, you know, Different artistic, levels. creative, yeah. and political, you know, so. Right. It is what it is. But. How were those years in the 90s now for you? So now we're totally autofocus. Yeah. You've done some Olympics. You're You're on the top of your game. You're crushing it. All these things are happening. Magazine still has money. It's not mm-hmm. detracting at all. Were those were, were you feeling now you're like at the peak of your power? Yeah, I didn't. I mean, peak implies that there's a downside. I didn't see the downside coming. I didn't see why we were. It was this wasn't going to go on forever. Or I mean, maybe like physically too. Like you can. I'm not tired. I'm you know like yeah. a boxer. I'm. I can still do these 15 yeah. rounds. Yeah, yeah. You know, because when you're 26 covering a game. And you're 56 covering a game. Yeah. Ooh, the a knees different. are crickly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, but I, I did kind of, you know, but again, you don't think, I don't, I mean, I, I don't think you think about physically aging either really very much until it starts to happen. Right. You, you knew every game. No one was, nothing was going to surprise you. Yeah. 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 No, it was, it was good. Those were good times, you know. So did you ever hear any knocks on the door or whispers about ESPN, the magazine and them coming towards you and saying, Hey, would you like to come over to us? Never, never. I, I never knew anybody over there. And, uh, plus once we saw it, we realized that it wasn't, I mean, there was, Oh my God, you're going to have competition. It wasn't competition. It was totally something totally different. They, they used, you know, I think you, it was, they didn't want to use people from sports illustrated. They, they, they were playing. I mean, at that point, there's so many photographers around, so many good photographers. And every art director, they want to strike their own mold. They want to make their own mark. And that's not going to be by hiring a bunch of guys who've already worked for Sports Magazine for 20 years. It's going to be by hiring, finding new talent or, or whatever you want to call it or getting really experienced portrait guys who've never necessarily shot athletes but having them shoot athletes. Right. So that was that that never never came up at all. How was the moment when SI finally decided to put you guys on staff? No longer contracts and staff. Well, they rewrote the contract and they sent it out to us and we wouldn't sign it. And there was about a month of silence and then What was the what was it, the it was so restrictive. It was so restrictive. It was ridiculous. I mean, we'd had a pretty easygoing contract for years. You could see a lawyer got his hands on this thing. Oh, yeah, thing. yeah. Somebody said, but we need, you know, we want all this. And, and it was like, no way. And so we were just all sitting there and kind of like, okay, who's going to blink first? And then <laughs> Steve started calling us up and, and saying, yeah, you're going on staff. We're going to pay you this much. And What I, year was that? Do you remember? God, we were talking about this the other day. Nineties, right? Yeah, it's mid nineties. Ninety five. Ninety five, I think. That's a, that's a good guess. Um, because a lot of people have to do that because the IRS. Because 
uh, L.A. Times had to do that. They had a bunch of guys down at OC in L.A. that were contractors. Well, th- and- there were a couple of rulings. One was an SI intern, actually, about who's an employee and who's not. Mm-hmm. And then a couple in, in the media, in like uh, NBC or somewhere else, where they were using these interns as employees. I mean, if they tell you everything you're supposed to do, you're essentially an employee. So right. that, that was kind of what this contract, that's what this contract tried to do was protect them from that. Say, we're going to tell you what to do, but you're not an employee. No way are you an employee. You are not an employee. Don't even say it. And we said, but... But you're we, an employee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we kind of said, you know, since you mentioned it, I think we are employees. We did, but there was no big push. Did you feel like one, though, regardless of what that oh, yeah. contract said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't get things like, I mean, at the time, I don't know, I guess I had, oh, I had health insurance. I had a great, from my... Uh, from my 84 Canon commercial, I had SAG health insurance for years. And so I didn't think about health insurance. I didn't think about benefits. I didn't think about 401ks or retirement or anything. I That never I, was in your... Never across my mind. I mean, occasionally some tax guy would say, you know, you may start putting away. I'll just, okay, I'll, yeah, I'll worry about that sometime. But sure. Not now. So then there we are with all this stuff. And, you know, even this was, this was the AOL days. We even had stock options. We had AOL stock, you know. Um uh, we'll have an asterisk to explain that to people who are listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. AOL is a... <laughs> yeah, that was one of the worst. I mean, as smart as our, the people who wrote the magazine and ran the magazine were, the people who made those decisions all along, it was just a continuous the Warner merger, the AOL merger, everything was just bump, bump, bump down the steps. They didn't know what the hell they were doing. And, and every time they got eaten alive. Right. You know. So becoming a staffer, though, did that did that help you? Yeah, it was great. It was great. Right. Because now it's a salary. There is no co- competition. No competition. Even Bill Frakes was a good guy then. Right. Well, that's a tough call. I know. But, it I know. But, but, but now you got benefits, your health insurance, whatever yeah, you're yeah. taking care of. And all of which was very good when we started. And, mm-hmm. of course, diminished yearly. Of as, course. You know, but. You know, vision insurance, all this, all that. Yeah, you're like, I get to go to an eye doctor. Yeah, 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 yeah. And somebody else pays for it. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty wonderful, you know. Um, And as I said, there was no competition. We worked together as a team, which is what we always should have done. But when it was about getting money for pictures, you know, because you were day rate against space. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it was about that $3,000 cover, you know, who's, you know, nobody's really helping anybody out right that. you're fighting for that three yeah. grand yeah but now it's kind of like i mean yeah we've all got egos and we all still want those covers and we want those big pictures but it wasn't the same it wasn't money it wasn't life or death it was just like yeah let's go out and do a job do our job yeah yeah get her done yeah because th- then uh, a lot of that 90s a lot of shifting of who was leaving on staff and who came in you know back and vj had come in and they were bringing people in to be solidified that was a really strong like 15 year decade run of like who was in the magazine it was really good yeah it was it was that was unbelievable yeah do you remember the first time you met vj i think he was uh he was down in anaheim he was the angels guy Mm -hmm. yeah and he was very i think he, you know, typically at, at that time, you know, you always kind of look to the team guy to give you, you know, where can I, where can I be and what can I do kind of thing. Where can I put up my remote to screw yeah. Maxon? Yeah. 
we were past that by then, fortunately. But uh, uh, no, it was you know that that was he was he was always really nice and and really helpful and and then you know as time went on, he was, you could see what a great shooter he was, and uh, so it was good. I mean, you know, is anybody ever really welcome to begin with? No, not really. But once they get in there, if they're good people, they're fine. Mm-hmm. They're good. And that, that was good with VJ. Right. Yeah. How was that transition to digital for you and the magazine? Because you guys were all late for a reason. Yeah. We didn't have to. Didn't, you know, yeah. We, didn't have we, to, which was nice. We could shoot. I could shoot a game in, in L.A. on a Sunday, and that film would be in New York Monday at 6 a.m. It would be processed by 8, be edited by 9, and it would be laid out by noon. You right. know, boom. So what do we need? Um, the transition, the first thing they realized was digital looked better at night, even early digital. Mm-hmm. So the first mandate was, okay, take your film cameras when there's li- enough light and then when it gets dark, shoot your digital cameras. That didn't last long, you know. I mean, now you're taking like seven cameras <laughs> to a game. No, no, that didn't last long. <laughs> And then we just kind of we kind of bobbled into it. We didn't do a very good job at first. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in the early years that's, that'll never be found. You know, captioning we was dreadful. We didn't know. Yeah. You know, oh, white balance. What? What compression? What bit rate? What? Like we just. Yeah. And all that, but I mean, even more than that, just the overall the workflow. You know. Where to We'd, store? Yeah, yeah. They didn't. They didn't servers. I think. The, I think the server from the Athens Olympic got lost, and you know that was all the all the raw files, because you know, we shot raw for everything, right. and then there were various which was even rougher because that means it was very slow, slower, clunk, slower. clunk, clunk. Well, it was it was cards it, were filling up. The, the cannons were were as fast, but you didn't get as much room in your buffer, mm-hmm. and that was always a big issue. And but there were a, any number of people who came through as sort of digital gurus. None of whom really knew half of what they professed to know, and so there there was a lot of a lot of misdirection from that. Not not intentionally, but just because we didn't have one smart person who could tell us what the hell we needed to do. Right, and, and those people were out there, but we just didn't happen to upon them. So we had a bunch of you know, and the the last guy who was in there was, you know, really had. Very little knowledge. His, his brother was was pretty smart. He would call his brother up in Sweden every night and talk to him about what he should be doing. But, but you know, it was, and we we had this this system that was developed, um, for uh, called Opus. Oh that, God, you yeah. remember Opus? Yeah, uh, you know, and you would have it on a laptop, a dedicated laptop. So you know, you had to carry two laptops with you, and it would split the it would. To send all the JPEGs, small JPEGs, because you send them pretty fast, mm-hmm. and then they could come back and retrieve the RAWs as long as it was online. It was, it was. In you theory, had to go home, plug in your yeah, computer. And- in theory, it was a good system, but somewhere along the way, the people who were programming it all got fired, and it wasn't finished, and it never got finished. And so, <laughs> we're working with this broken piece of software, and it was, you know, it was really a challenge. I think finally. Um, they somehow moved up to photo mechanic and they, they got it figured out, but it was years of, of kind of suffering. <laughs> suffering. Not, yeah. You have the look of a man who's 
Yes. We had to deal with that SOB was, machine. Yeah, yeah. It was brutal. It was a giant thick Dell, and I just remember yeah. having to they always, deal with it. It was yeah. god-awful. Yeah. You'd get home, have to plug it in, leave it on. Right. Then you would hear it kick up, and they're downloading all the raw files. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it was work. It was like, we were, we were used to throwing our film in an envelope, taking it to the airport, and seeing it go, and that was it. Bye. Yeah, and now we had to work more. <laughs> we worked more digital than we did in film, you know, so that was no fun. What but. made you think that it would be a great idea to start painting athletes and taking pictures of them? Ah, uh, that's um, that goes back for uh, so that was for the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. But we go back a year to '99, and I can't, I think it, Steve and I and Adam Stoltman, who worked at the magazine for a while. Kind of came up with, let's try painting this. We were doing Maurice Green. Mm -hmm. He was clearly going to be an Olympian, probably a gold medalist. And so let's paint him gold. So falls to me to do this. And we, <laughs> and so I hire a stylist for like, like seven fifty a half day. And we go out and we paint him gold and we make some pictures. But it's in a... Did you do any test shots to figure out? Does this work, or did you just say I'm... He was the test. I mean, it was basically, I, I, you know, I mean, it was it was what it was. It was very easy to light and shoot because, you know, but 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 we did it. He, he kind of had a pond in his backyard. We did some stuff in his backyard and some, some cool poses, and we did it. And I, I think they ran something, but it would kind of lay fallow, and then now we... Did you up, like the idea? Not really. Okay. Because it was one of those things where... I didn't really contribute much to the process, you know. Okay. Uh, it was about them being gold. I mean, I, I was happy to take credit for it, but, I mean, really, it was what was I doing in there? You know, very very little. Right. Very little. But so we roll around to early 2000. We're looking for something for the Olympic preview, and we shot – first person we shot was Inger Miller, the, the female sprinter. Mm -hmm. And we actually had her run. We painted her gold and made her run over at UCLA. You know, and I have all I have all this like thirty five millimeter of her <laughs> zooming around the track and everything, and it was like, you know, this this may work, it may not, but now was that safe to be sweating and running in that paint? Oh no! I mean, <laughs> she didn't die on you. Yeah, they didn't die on us. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> we didn't have to leave a strip in the back or anything like that. But so again, we used the stylus. Again, she charged us seven fifty plus agency fee. It was a thousand dollars. So now. They're putting together a list of people they want to shoot. And these people are all over the place. And first of all, I don't like this woman very much. And secondly, I don't see any way we can afford to travel with her. Meanwhile, Callie's sister, I didn't know Callie at the time, but okay. I knew her sister, Perry. Perry has come out on the shoot because she's kind of, at that, at that time she was, she was married, and she didn't really have a job. She didn't really have much to do. So she came out on the shoot. She goes, after it's all said and done, she goes through the trash and finds the bottle of gold paint because she's got an airbrush. And she says, I can do this, and I'll do it for 250 a day. Hired. Done. So off we went. Perry and I, and I had a, a female assistant named Skye, and the three of us now, you know, there was an Australian triathlete, a Chinese diver, and a Belarusian gymnast. And I, I said, I said, girls, get your passports because we're going to go. I thought my plan was to go Australia, China, Belarus, back, go around the world. Well, 
the Australian was training in La Jolla. The, the <laughs> Chinese diver was diving in, in a competition in Miami. So the only foreign trip we got was Belarus, which is high on the list of places that you never want to go. <laughs> it was, I mean, literally Belarus in the in the 2000 was like Russia the first time I went, like East Germany, in, in, which was 88, I guess. Really, we were followed. We were, that's all words, and they couldn't figure out it was this guy and two women. What was that deal about, you know? And of course, I brought in a bunch of currency and almost got at the airport. They were searching everything and almost got busted. Somehow or other, we avoided that. But, but in any case, the whole thing was. I mean, it it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun, and and, and some of the pictures I really liked, you know. But it was also it was wretched excess. I mean, we. They want to do this wrestler, and so they we said we got to have a mat. So a real wrestling mat is a very complicated thing. Yeah, and so we contacted Big, heavy the company. We had a whole mat shipped out. They sent out two guys to put it together for us. This is a big boondoggle, but this this probably cost us twenty grand. We didn't use the picture. We didn't oh. use the picture. We shot another wrestler in, in, in somewhere in Pennsylvania. Oh, uh, but yeah, you know the the whole thing. It was, it was just it's just a lot of fun. It just was, became the whole thing was about logistics, about getting us there, getting us set up, getting us everything, and then you you put up some lights, but you didn't have to do a whole lot. They lit right up beautifully. Right, you know? they look good. And, and so, the big conclusion. The grand finale was supposed to be Marion Jones for the cover. So I rent the big-ass studio at um, Fifth and Sunset over in West L.A., the biggest one. and Just um, because. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> let's, let's. Oh, yeah. And, and it's like, uh, they said, well, she likes Jamaican food. So we have this enormous spread of Jamaican food. Now, SI has sent a video crew to shoot me shooting her and... They have assigned another photographer to shoot me shooting. <laughs> now, this is the day after the track and field, the, the Olympic trials had finished. She comes in. She's tired. She's pissed off. She's supposed to do Jay Leno's show that night. I think she's nervous. <laughs> she doesn't want to do anything. I mean, first of all, at that time, I don't know if you recall, they ran in those suits. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, we put her in the suit. We spray that gold. Put her in the suit. Well, the suits weren't skin tight. So her standing still in this, she looked like an angry, sad alien. Yeah, so flimsy and yeah. Off, off with the suit. We had this piece. We had these two pieces of four by eight plywood with track surface that we'd had made for another shoot, five thousand dollars worth, by the way. Of course. And so we had that set up. We had blocks. We had her do this stuff. But boy, there was just you know you know when you, I mean. I know when I've got it, and I know when it's just going down. I just felt it slipping away. You knew it me. was over. It was it just was, not happening. Yeah, it was not happening. And it was her emotion, her physical nothing. presence. She it was, was, yeah. She and, was, she, and she was a woman who didn't, in, unless she really was happy, she didn't, her natural state was sort of kind of bland, bland and yeah. worse. And she was that way completely. And so... Boom, we, and I sprinters mean, are almost natural divas in the women. Yeah. And the, so yeah. you know... Yeah, and she just was not into this. She had just done too much at that point. I mean, it was right, you know, it was, she was, exhausted. It was a couple of months before the Olympics, but she just won the trials and all that. She was tired, you know, and 
So uh, I knew I didn't even have to look at the film to know that we didn't we didn't have anything. And I told Steve, and they looked at the film, and they said, "You're right, you don't." <laughs> and uh, and you know, you think back on those things, and you think, "What could I have done? What could maybe there was a shot I could have tried?" I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I didn't, and it didn't. So then, okay, so I'll take my licks. So they sent Walter, Walter Yost to shoot her. Guess what? He didn't have any better luck. He didn't have he didn't have good luck with her. Um, and by now, cracks were starting to emerge. This was like when her husband was starting to get in trouble. I think I think they knew what was happening. I mean, that came out right after she won. But I think it was I think there was a lot of unhappiness in that family. So in the end. They ended up using uh, uh, Ivan Ivanov, the Belarusian gymnast, who nobody's ever heard of, but it was a classic picture. It was a great picture just because he's all muscles. He's doing the Iron Cross. I mean, he really, he was the only nice person. We, we met two nice people in Belarus, him and our interpreter, who was named Natasha, appropriately enough. Of course, mandatory. So, <laughs> so that's that's what we that's that's that whole thing, and in the end, because I was crushed, and you know, we worked on this for months, and I thought, well, I'm not going to get the cover. Walter's going to get the cover again. Yeah, you know that. How many does he need? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then when it all came around, it was like, oh, okay, I can live with this. Yeah, yeah. She's just miserable. It wasn't me. Yeah, yeah. We didn't even run anything on her. And it was funny because I had shot her. I had shot her when she was in high school. Right. Yeah, I kind of tried a... to remind her of that. Usually that will get some rapport. Mm -hmm. There was no rapport. No rapport was going to happen. No Jamaican food was eaten. <laughs> but, you know, there and somewhere, somehow, there's a video of this horrible disaster. slow train wreck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that it was. And uh, But, you know, it's sort of all's well that ends well. Right. Um, now I've been on shoots with you. I've assisted you where you're when you have to deal with subjects. You know, the mm -hmm. um, Matt Barkley one where we shot the plexiglass and made stuff. <laughs> right, that was fun. That was. How was your rapport? Where did you kind of do your process to get a rapport with a subject where maybe you've only known them for ten minutes? It's kind. I don't. I don't have a conscious process. I mean, I sort of. It's kind of like everybody's different, and and I don't. I don't eat, like I said, I don't consciously work at getting a rapport. I mean, a lot of times I'm, I'm self-deprecating. I'm like, you know, I'm like sort of bumbling <laughs> and that. And, you know, I, it, it's different with everybody. But there's there's nothing that I can really say, uh, you know, any, any previous experience is always something to latch on to. But uh, other than that, it's just kind of whatever, whatever happens, uh, Got you know, got got to get music going. Get some music going. If there, if it's any time after workout, you got to have food. Because so many, we, we would do this. We'd take guys, we'd grab them right after practice and try and shoot them. And and after a while, I realized these guys are hungry. Feed them and then shoot them. They were much happier then. Right. They've been practicing for three hours now. Yeah. I want they want to jump around for me. Yeah. Eh. And then and as later on, uh, we would have both. Uh, Callie and Perry would both be stylists if we had more than one person. So they were both very good at putting people at ease. They mm -hmm. were big help. Right. And uh, Naturally with women. It's all of a sudden. Yeah. And when you do have hair and makeup. And they're, they're kind of sexy moms. Right. Both of them. So, right. So they kind of like, you know, they did that one. We did those USC linebackers. Mm -hmm. And they're all 
you know, mm, you know, naked of uh, chess and everything right. like that. And they did. Who else did we do? Brandon, somebody who was a, supposed to be a big star at USC. He was one of the first first players to come out of high school early, so they could be in spring practice. Right. And they got to oil him all down. He was a <laughs> big stud, but you know, um, soon to be injured. And a really nice guy, but never never made a dent in, in football at all. But um, I think it was just a combination, and and a lot of it was the crew too. You know, sometimes I'm not, you know, as as a 50 year old man, I may not may have a rapport with a 16 year old skateboarder, but Max might or somebody right. else I have might. Or, you know, I didn't care. I would. I was shameless. I didn't care who who makes them happy. Just make them happy. Make them happy. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I remember when we were doing that one with Matt. You're like in this cloth tube. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's no light coming into you. So you're basically talking like, <laughs> like he's not going to hear you. So, yeah. My job was just to communicate you <laughs> to him. Do this. Do that. And and plus he I thought think, it was going to be the greatest thing ever. Well, the uniqueness of it was right. was he, he. I think he really got into that. Which, sure. you know, people either did or they didn't, you know. And that's the other thing. If you've got these, sometimes these offbeat ideas, if the, if the player or the subject takes to them, you're golden. Right. If they don't, you know, Joe. Like when you paint Jason Kidd and you say, now it's been done a couple of times, right? Oh, well, that was scary because I thought, you know, we had all these amateur athletes, like from, from around the world. Uh, and then they said, now you're going to do an NBA player because we've got the dream team. I thought, oh, this is going to be a disaster. Some big <laughs> egotistical guy. Jason Kidd could not have been nicer, could not have given us more time, was really – now, I know there's been – he's had some issues throughout his life, but the times – I and I shot him again, uh, just a solo portrait before a son's game, and he was like 20 minutes late. He missed all the warm-ups, and he still took five minutes to, to pose for me. Wow. He's in my all-time Hall of Fame right. as subjects. Um, but and yeah, that's all you want. Yeah, yeah, and he and he, he was great. Couldn't have, couldn't have been better. And uh, you know, sometimes you get lucky like that. right. You know, you got Dwight Howard and uh, Steve Nash. Yeah, Steve Nash, that right? Was, Those yeah. two goofy clowns. They can give you something. Well, that was that was one where it was my idea. One, it's one of the few times because the, the magazine wanted that same silly shot, looking up at him like we just done with the with the guy from the Clippers. We just done the mm -hmm. year before, and we did that. And that's why we had to do it in the lobby of the hotel because we couldn't get the conference room ceiling wasn't ceiling high enough, right? Yeah, you know. And then at the end, it's just, hey, do you guys know I love LA? And, and they started singing and goofing <laughs> around, and it's like, okay. We'll take it. We'll make it work. You know, and I just sent that in with the rest. They said, oh, no, that was great. That was great. <laughs> now, obviously, you have a soft spot for SC, being that, you know, you went there and you're alumni and you're football. How was it those years covering that great Pete Carroll run? It was great till the Rose Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> but it was – but that was a great ending to a um, – I mean, whether you like no, it, it or not. It was, was a great terrible game. ending. <laughs> It was a great. Did you get um, the picture though of Vince? I got some stuff of Vince. Okay, I got some stuff of Vince, but I was. But that I was a hell of shock. a run. Those yeah. two or three years, yeah. even with Carson. But, but they they were they were arrogant. SC deserved to lose that game. Yeah. I mean when when they tried to lateral on the first kickoff, it was like, you guys, you're not going to win. They were laughing. They they that team had become excessively arrogant, and and that was that was but, their downfall. But, but didn't 
didn't, I guess, we do that because, like, we were making them out to be the pro team in, in, oh, yeah. in town because the Rams and the Raiders weren't here yet. The, the free and the Chargers free games, the number of people on the sidelines, oh, yeah. all the you got you know, Snoop Dogg and M- Will Ferrell standing beside yeah, you, and Eminem pounding out, and the, you know, and they they believed all. Yeah, it's not their fault per se as as players or as kids, which they yeah, were. Yeah, how would you and I have been at twenty if the whole yeah. world was telling you you're the best thing that's yeah. sliced bread? Yeah, yeah. They were on TV shows, and ESPN yeah. came to LA. You made a studio yeah. here. I mean, you had a. How many times did you shoot Matt and Reggie? Oh God, I you know many many times. Uh, yeah, I mean that there was a yeah. window there of twenty four months where it was. Oh no, it was Fat City. I mean, we yeah you know, we made. You were going. Lot. You were you were going everywhere with them. I still have I still have match one of Matt's shirts. <laughs> we bought we bought for him for a shoot, and then they he didn't want it. So right, you did the Orange Bowl, right? You went yeah, out there and yeah, showed me. You were yeah. covering all and that broken stuff. Broken ankle, right? Yeah. Oh God, yes. That was amazing. But there was that was an unbelievable run. Some great yeah, images was, were made. It was great. It was you know and and um, but it's funny how and I I, t- I say this with love. Once those guys, like the three guys in the backfield, you know, Lineart, Bush, White. and White, once they went their separate ways, none of them ever achieved greatness in the NFL. Really. Did that surprise you? I guess not. Thinking back on it, at the time, I thought they were all great. Yeah, Lineart's great, but he's great because he's got Reggie Bush running the ball right behind him. And, and, and White's great because he's an alternative. They're looking for Bush. You know, as as I was looking for White on that picture of Bush, but, <laughs> but you know, the last thing I'm going to say, and I can't, I'm drawing a blank. The, the the Matthew McConaughey, right? Now I love him as an actor, but I despise him as a person because he was on the sidelines of that game, you know, and he is a he is a Longhorn, and he was rooting for them, and it's like every time I see him, I said, you, you know, <laughs> they they brought the goddamn stir uh, steer out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's and I, and I have to say that you know uh, I never shot Vince Young, but I've heard some horror stories about people who did. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, I heard he wasn't he wasn't very nice to him, but that's another you know, that's another thing. But yeah, it was it was an amazing time. It was funny. There was a ESPN cameraman. I mean, I covered every game. Yeah, I mean, you every every one the road games and everything. Even I made Steve send me to Notre Dame, and the ESPN the push camera, the push yeah, the Bush push right. yeah yeah. And um, this ESPN guy, we'd always see each other in the airport. We'd always fist bump. We did not fist bump before that Rose Bowl, and I I consider that probably the The snap of the yeah, yeah, (laughs) broke the streak. Oh man! uh, Now that that was fun. Let's talk about what you're doing now, right? We got some workshops you're trying to work on. Yeah, getting on, getting on, getting ready to go with a couple workshops. I think one. Up in Oregon and uh, next year, right? We're talking twenty. Well, spring. I'm going to try and get right, one in, in the spring. spring. Yeah, and then then roll into the fall. Uh, probably Oregon, maybe Vegas again. Um, right. That was fun with Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was great. Vegas is great, and uh, you know, I'm just basically going to the places that Oregon's new. But I met when I was up for the Prefontaine. I met a couple people up there who were like very receptive. And Eugene's a great town. It I is. love it. It's a great place to just have something and and there's a lot of you know a lot of hotel space if it's not game weekend and a lot of things go right for that so right. i just as i said it is totally my bad that i haven't gotten this thing in gear but it just something comes up every week i've got a got a project for canon coming up now that you know i can't talk about but it's 
new and wonderful. And well, you, know, you did have a pandemic kind of put the brakes on certain that, that, things. That, that kind of killed things. Yeah. But I didn't get back and running as fast as I probably should have, you know. But uh, nevertheless, I got that coming up. And as I said, I'm working on a project for Canon. And uh, where can they find the info on the workshop? They will be able to find it on my uh, website when I put it up okay. there. Also, I have a mailing list of about 1,300 people that I'm going okay. to hit up. And I'll do, I'll put something on Instagram. And so I'll try and spread the word and, you know, uh, you know, we'll get, we'll get the word around okay. as best we can. And G- give a quick, like, description of how you kind of work your workshops. What do you kind of... Okay, they're, 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 based, they're based on shooting editing critiquing okay so we shoot every day we shoot sometimes you know sometimes all day we have one or two events whatever we can get mm-hmm. they edit at night the next morning they turn in their their 10 pictures which i always say give me your best but give me some that didn't work out okay. no one ever gives me those but in any case but those are the teaching moments yes, i know i know i know but uh, sometimes they will in any case, and then uh, we do a critique, and that, that's my main. I mean, I'll do a little bit of a lecture, but I'm not a lecturer. I'm not, you know, uh, you know. I have some handouts I'll pass out. Fortunately, I've had I've had Steve with me for most of the last couple of years of workshops. So good, you know, he gets going on the critique. He loves doing that too, and uh, you know, everyone's different. Whatever, I, I like to bring somebody in, somebody local, uh, like. Um, you know, like Jeff, when you were in Vegas, yeah, yeah, right, and, okay. and uh, I used to bring in the the team guy at, at Tennessee, and you know, just somebody who can give another perspective, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, and knows the area too, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had Garrett Elwood one time in mm-hmm. Denver, and uh, so it's it's you know it's that, and then we'll do. Hopefully, we'll find something. Usually, I've had a lot of luck lately with CrossFit gyms, yes. and we'll shoot some, but we'll set up portraits there. We'll okay. set up lit portraits. So, and and you know, I found that some people are fascinated by that, and some people couldn't care less. So I try and take. So I don't. It's not like we're in a studio. Here's the subject. That's all there is to do. Like here's all these guys doing all this crazy stuff. These men and women. So go shoot them if you don't. If you don't want to see me make a portrait, you don't have to. Right. You know? Watch someone throw some kettlebells around. Yeah, yeah. Make a picture. Yeah. So, so that's that's really th- the main thing, and I think the critique is is number one in terms of how I can get people to make you know I can make points off people's work and hopefully get them to improve. Are you enjoying that yeah, aspect I now? I love it. Yeah, it's nice kind of giving back, showing people, yeah. watching that growth pretty quickly in those first couple of days of that, just. That's really the thing because there was a. Uh, back in the, well, they, they still do them, but I mean, when, when, when Rich Clarkson used to do his workshops Mm -hmm. in Denver, he would bring people in, he would cycle us in. And so I would be there for a day, day and a half. And I would see a lot of people's books, but I would never get to see any growth. Right. Their work. So I'd rather just, rather than seeing a bunch of people, I'd rather have my, you know, 15, 20, 20 people and watch them over the week and see who gets better and, and, you know. Right. Some people get a little, some people get, get a, a lot. lot. Yeah. 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 And that's what's amazing. I think that's the way you're doing it is really the kind of the best way. Shoot, get out there, work with them, critique it, and then let everybody see it. So yeah. everybody gets an idea right. of like, oh, I had that's, no that's idea. That's why it never worked. It would never work on Zoom. Oh, no. I mean, no. a lot of people were able to do Zoom things and bless their hearts. But this was because 
what are they going to do? I'll go out to different things and shoot, and then we're going to try and critique them. It's like, nah. No. You know, um, I looked into it, and I thought about it a lot, but it just wasn't going to happen. Yeah, no, you need everybody to shoot the same game. Yeah. So then the perspective is, oh, I had no idea. I didn't see that background, the lighting. And, and I'm there with them, and right. I'm circulating, and, and at least I'll have at least, uh, you know, Greg Cooper, who works with me usually, and maybe Steve, and we'll be circulating saying, okay, how's it going? What do you, now, how about maybe if you shot over there, you, you wouldn't have that light pole in the background and yeah. things like that. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's. Pour the potties in trash cans. You don't yeah, need them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't thank you enough. I've had a great time. Oh, this has been fun. This it's is been awesome. A lot of fun, man. It's been great. Yeah, I mean, what we got to do another one where we can really get a deep dive into the, uh, the, the backslide of the SI life. Oh God. I know. Cause <laughs> uh, we'll bring white, a red wine in a, in yes, a, in a, yeah. in a, in a towel because <laughs> tears. Yeah. yeah. Because that so really sad. is something that I keep telling. I have some friends at Netflix. I'm like, you guys want to write a good story, either do one on Kodak or mm -hmm. SI. Like yeah. you had these, perennial powers yeah who would have thought that and Co they, kodak would ever go down and they did it themselves yeah yeah exactly two companies like that shot yeah. their own feet not, yeah. not toes the whole foot yeah. off no i remember uh you know i went up to speak at kodak when 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 richard maxim was working there mm -hmm. and I, I knew a couple other people and i got the tour of this man they had 50 buildings in that their whole area there and that giant rolls of kodachrome you know three feet wide and all that and it's like Who'd have thought that, that that would go away? Just like that. Boom. Yeah. Done. Just like the magazine. Yeah. Yeah. The moment, uh, I forget what month of 2015, but the time they let the all staff go, I yeah. canceled my subscription. That, that was it. Why yeah. call it Illustrated if you're not going to have photographers? Right. Call right. it Sports Writer. Yeah. <laughs> Which it's always really been. <laughs> I mean, no photographer has ever become managing editor of anything. <laughs> Right. Well, Heinz, I guess, is the highest up, right? Well, he was he was DOP. But that was right. it. But so, as was Steve, as was... But as a photographer. As a, uh, as a yeah, staff photographer. Right, as a shooter. You're right. You're right. He was basically the, the one who got... The highest up the ladder. Highest. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Peter, thank you. I appreciate your time. Thank you. You're the best. It's been great. It's been you, know, you know, remember the last time uh, we worked together? I got you. We got a double track doing that Laker game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Westbrook. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Oh, my God, Westbrook. Yes, yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah. Now he's a Laker. Yeah, yeah. We should go out and shoot him before he gets traded. <laughs> he could have been traded while we were talking here. <laughs> You're the best, Peter. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you for listening to my conversation with former Sports Illustrated staff photographer, Peter Reed Miller. Please click the like button if you enjoyed the episode. Subscribe as well. Please leave a review if you enjoyed it. You can always follow the podcast on Instagram, and you can always find all the past shows on the website, justagoodconversation.com. Thank you for listening.